All right, people, welcome back once again. This is one of my first two-in-one recording session days, but we are also live here. Uh, welcome back to the Black Muse Podcast. I am your host, Jason Muse. Uh, I have once again uh, my uh, very special guest, a uh, person that I met on, on Clubhouse and who agreed to do this with me and who's been recording with me for hours and hours and has not got tired yet. Uh, she goes by Chica, but she also goes by, I want to say, Ezinwanyi. And without further ado, here she is. Did I say that right? I said it right. I said it right. I said it right. All right. Welcome back. Uh, you haven't you haven't hit you haven't ran yet. It's been hours. How you doing? I haven't. Thank you for having me. I'm good. I'm chilling. Yeah. Chilling. Great conversation. So yeah, we've been having some great. We've been, we've been talking about all kinds of cancelable things. Yes. Things that can get you bring canceled. on the cancellations. You trying to get my show canceled before it even gets off the ground? No, I think that's what you're trying to do. You're getting real controversial right now. Um, and we're about to do it again because we're about to talk about that uh controversial uh Matt Walsh Daily Wire documentary entitled What is a Woman? Are you excited? I am. Are there any words that we're not allowed to say that you know because I really don't want you to be like canceled or demonetized or anything like that. No, I don't censor people on my show. But what I do ask is that we keep it respectful, which you've been doing. But no, there's no words that we're not allowed to say. Okay. Um, if I get canceled, I get canceled. What they'll probably do is demonetize a particular video, but I don't I haven't even earned the right to make money on YouTube yet because I don't have enough views. <laughs> oh, okay. So I'm not even there yet. But whatever, I'm not gonna censor myself because I wanna actually like talk about these things in an authentic way. So um without further ado, let's get into it. So the Matt Walsh. Daily Wire documentary entitled What is a Woman? Uh, this is the fourth uh, part. Uh, this is the fourth time I've actually had a deep dive episode about it because there's so much to unpack about it. And Well, I mean, talking about it with different people, you bring out different things. You yeah, yeah, yeah I know. Things. I'm joking. <laughs> so it's given me an opportunity to talk about a whole bunch of things and come at it from different angles and stuff like that. Every single person who's uh, talked about it with me so far has been more right of center. So... I'm trying to get some leftists on here to discuss it. I think that that conversation will go a lot different. And me I playing think you're right of center and just don't want to admit it, but go off. Me? Yeah. Not really. I'm 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 pretty much in the I'm somewhere in the middle. I don't know if I lean more right than I lean left. I'm actually that's actually an open question. Um, but it's not quite right to call me um, right or left. Although when I do play devil's advocate, I get accused by whoever of being that thing. <laughs> So apparently I'm convincing. Do you ever play right. devil's advocate in favor of the right? Yeah. Every time I'm every time I'm on with leftists. Which oh, is so what I was what I was trying to say. Okay. That's what I was trying to say. Is it was, once okay. I get a leftist on, then I'll probably be able to get to voice like the conservative perspective. And mm -hmm. that'll be fun. That uh, would be right. We need to find some leftists that can come on my show. I got one, uh, but she doesn't want to talk about that though. <laughs> she wants to do the current events thing. But I, I'm gonna try to convince her to do it. Because uh, I think it's going to be awesome. But yeah, yeah anyway, you? what is a woman? Uh, this is, you, are, you are the first woman uh, host other than uh, the, the former co-host I used to have on my uh, the older version of this show uh, to talk what that I've had to talk to in general, but also to talk about this. So I'm just going to pose the question to you. What, what is a woman in your view? Um, a, a woman is an adult human female that <laughs> was born with female reproductive organs. 
Okay. That's your stance? Yes. Okay. Well, that's uh, definitely the the conclusion that the documentary comes to. And there's this kind of, kind of uh, interesting part where Matt Walsh goes home after his long journey of searching for the truth about the que- the vexing question in 2022 right, well, of what is a woman. More. Go ahead. I forgot to add one more caveat. Caveat? Okay. Uh, they're born with female reproductive organs, whether they work or not. You can continue. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, that seemed to be the pretty much the answer. Without the you, you added some stuff, but that seemed to be pretty much the answer. Uh, at the end of the documentary, Matt Walsh um, goes home after his um, quest for truth and answering the vexing question in 2022 of what is truth. a woman. And he asks his wife, and his wife gives a simple answer the simple answer he was implicitly looking for the whole time. And then she asks him to open up a jar of pickles. <laughs> I which didn't is, really care for that which part. Is actually, I, it's I actually cringe. That's actually really cringe. Yeah, I, I don't know if he's just trolling the feminist types, but that that definitely is going to rub the woke the wrong way. Oh, he was definitely feminist. trolling. That's hilarious to me. I like uh, the However, 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 I've dated several women, and almost all of them at some point have asked me to open some shit for them. <laughs> so it ain't like he made it up, but I feel like. If you're a straight male and you and you you're involved with a woman long term or you get married, you're gonna get asked to open some shit. Of course. It's like and you common. should you should oblige. That's your job. <laughs> what? That's my job. What kind of I sexist? Mean, what kind of par- patriarchal nonsense? If I can't open something, who else would you want to open it for me? Are you not an independent woman? No, I'm not. <laughs> So you're a dependent woman? Yes. Who are you dependent on? You need a man? Yes. You You need a man. Yeah. I want a man and I need a man. Ain't nothing wrong with saying that. I don't know. The feminists would disagree. That makes it seem like you're not strong enough or powerful enough to do things on your own. I mean, of course I can do things on my own, but I also recognize... How do you need a man if you could do it on your own? How are you not independent if you could do it on your own? Because there's some things that I'd rather not do alone. Yeah, but you don't need a man, right? I need a man. <laughs> I need you're I need you're guidance. you're 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 saying things that are really problematic. Do you know? I need guidance. I need leadership. I need wisdom. You can, you don't think women can be leaders? The fact that you're thinking this hard gives me pause. Oh, I'm not thinking. That's me ignoring your question. Oh, okay, it's an inconvenient question. <laughs> inconvenient question. I mean, okay, uh, I think in some spaces women could be leaders, but I mean, I prefer men to that be know leaders. What doing. Yeah, they know what they're, they know what they're so doing. Like, what about a female president? You don't think we have a female president? It's right. funny because I voted for Hillary in twenty sixteen. So, so, on some level, you think it's possible. No, I just thought that the alternative was not an option <laughs> at the time. Um, What's wrong with but, a female president? Why can't we have a female president? And I'm being serious because I genuinely disagree with you. I mean, I don't think that we can't have a female president. I just think that I mean, I just personally just, I mean, I don't know if, 
No, I do care. I just never th thought about it. Even when I voted for Hillary, I wasn't, I, I assumed that she wouldn't be doing, making all the decisions on her own anyway. That she would. I don't be. think any president makes decisions on their well, own. Well, yeah, yeah exactly. Teams exactly. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, but why can't women be in leadership position? Can a woman be a CEO of a Fortune 500 company in your, in your opinion? If she created it, sure. If it's her business, sure. What if she didn't create it? What if she's the daughter I of mean, the person who created these it? Are, granddaughter. Question. I mean, female leadership exists. So me saying yeah. that, you know, it can't happen is kind of stupid. Like it exists already. I agree. Well, but I'm asking you what your hang up against it is. You seem to be opposed to it. At least you were playing at that. Well, because, well, I, th I think women, I think some women can handle being in leadership. And I think that there are women that I feel like you're going to do that thing where you still man me and say, well, men do the same thing. Um, if I say whatever I'm going to say. So I'm just not, I give up. Wait, you <laughs> give up. That you're ruining the you're ruining the opportunity for people to hear the conversation and think. I mean, I just I mean, I just I prefer I I just prefer men in leadership. Like I I think that women, I mean, look, everyone had can be temperamental and moody and all that, but I think women are are do it more. I think we're more emotional. Um, I think we're too empathetic. I think we're too. We, Wouldn't we, you want your leaders to be empathetic though? Not really, no. You don't want leaders to be I, I, no, not not. I don't. I don't think. No, I don't. I mean, I I want them to care about things, but I don't want them to lose focus on the goal. Like I don't want them to um, be swayed in such a way where they lose sight of the 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 overall goal of what they're trying to do. That would and that would benefit society overall. And I think, women, sorry, I think women, you know, because of that emotional side of us that, and, and our inclination to empathy, we would lose track um, and stray away from, you know, what's best for everyone. But you voted for Hillary. So at least at one point you thought that she could handle it. Again, not, it was, I was, I was forced. You were forced her. by who? Trump. You were forced <laughs> by Trump? And then you voted for him in 2020? Yeah. Yo, growth. <laughs> <laughs> growth? Some people would say that's the opposite Depression. of growth. I know. Uh, all right. Well, so well, how do you feel about female pastors? I don't. You don't want, you don't like it? You don't approve? I don't approve, no. Why? I mean, because I, I don't have the specific verse. I think it's in Timothy, but I mean, it speaks against female pastorship, female, you know, women um, leading the church. That's not but our role. Women lead the church all over America, though. They're not Christian. Yes, they are. They're Christian churches, and they're okay. They're female pastors. They have they have a variation of that, but the Bible clearly is very so clear. It's against the Bible for women to lead the church. Yeah, God said they shouldn't do that. That's interesting. They can lead other women. Like I think that I think that women play play a pivotal role in, you know, leading other women in 
being good women and, and serving the church and, you know, serving men. Yes, I said that. Um, and, and being the support that they need to be for uh, men in leadership in the church. But You are about to piss they, off so many feminists right now. I don't think that they, <laughs> they shouldn't be pastors. I mean, it's just weird to see a female, to see pastor. female pastor. Yeah. Like if, if I went to a church that decided that they want female power, I would leave the church. Why? But you voted for Hillary Clinton in 2016. And I saw the error of my ways. In <laughs> you saw the error of your ways. I don't think there's anything about being a I woman that want makes Candace you Owens incapable. To be I don't. I don't think there's anything about being a woman that makes a that makes a, that particular woman incapable of leadership roles. Um. That that I think is problematic, and and it is it is it it is something that is a let's say theologically salient in in Christianity um, mm-hmm. for sure, and it comes it stems from a set of cultural prescriptions that are actually very complicated, and that particularly that particular interpretation of certain verses of the Bible is interesting to me. I don't know that the Bible explicitly prohibits that, um, but I have heard people say that the, that that's somewhere in there. I've heard a lot of people say a lot of things are in the Bible that I don't think are in there, <laughs> but whatever. Yeah. I'm I'm not a biblical expert, but me neither. I I do think that the idea that women uh, are somehow, uh, in virtue of the fact that they're women and and for no other reason, uh, not capable or as capable of being in leadership roles as men, is a deeply problematic view. And I think the feminists have a point to criticize that kind of thing. Um, I I agree with the feminists only so much because I think that some of them get. Uh, a little, they go a little overboard with their criticisms, but a lot of the criticisms are rooted in some realities that I think um, everybody would do well to contend with, and particularly men who perpetrate a lot of these things that the feminists complain about. Can I, can I ask you a question? That would you would you prefer um, a male or female pilot? I I, I actually I honestly think that the gender of the pilot is irrelevant. I just care they can fly the plane. I genuinely don't care about their gender. So if I saw a female pilot, the only thing that I would might feel is like that to the extent that the, the, that profession is male dominated, that it would be good for her because she's breaking some glass ceilings and I value that. But other than that, I just give a shit if they, all I care about is that they can fly the plane. What I don't want is a subpar pilot who's been given the role because representation matters, who can't fly as well. I don't want that shit, but I wouldn't assume because she's a woman that she can't fly as well. So you I don't I don't want the Jean Pierre of pilots. <laughs> yeah, you're dead. I don't want, I don't want the Jean Pierre of pilots. I don't um, want somebody who's a fucking diversity. You get that reference? You can't that fly good. as well. That was good. Yeah, I don't want that. But I but I yeah I, I think that there are t- there are there are awesome boss ass women who do boss ass shit in so many sectors of the economy no, and sometimes would... even in male dominated ones. And one of them is being a pilot. I think there are awesome women pilots. People and also, and, and even in the military and the Air Force, I think that there are some awesome women pilots. Them motherfuckers are dope. I was watching a documentary the other day about some female pilots in the, in the, uh, in the Navy, I believe. They're fucking awesome. They're awesome okay. pilots. Beautiful. Yeah. Fantastic. But you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't fly on a plane? You wouldn't fly on a plane by, with, that was flown by a female pilot? In some circles, you would be referred to as a simp or a male feminist. I'm but, not a male uh, feminist. Fuck out of here. But I do agree with I do agree with uh I do agree with some of the things that feminists say though. That's would true. I if I if I had a preference for also also don't call me no simp don't do that. Not on my I show. said in some circles people would I didn't call you a simp. Oh, okay. 
you would fit the definition of that in some circles. Anyway. <laughs> That's calling me a simp. Um, and <laughs> and if I if I had a preference on whether or not to choose whether I could choose a, a male or female pilot, I'm for sure going with a male pilot. Why? Just I just like it's weird because and I'm I'm going off of like me as a woman, right? In stressful situations, I feel like I handle stressful situations fairly well. Um, but I feel like in a situation where I was a very seasoned pilot, I mean, I would just and and something happened with the plane, I would just trust. And 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 my co-pilot was a man, I would defer to him. Why? I, I I genuinely I haven't heard an explanation. I just you just keep Again, saying. Again, I think it's the emotional, just the the the. All women aren't emotional wrecks. That's a stereotype. You know that, right? I don't know that to be a stereotype. Being that every woman, literally every woman I've met, is an emotional or has exhibited emotional wreckness. That's a stereotype. So first of all, every every woman isn't isn't the same level or to the same degree emotional or exhibits emotion in the same way. I think that's Agreed. obviously true. Agreed. There's diversity in the emotional range of, pe of people in general. Um, and every man isn't like the pinnacle of just like being stoic. I would shit. still think, I would still, I mean, J Jason, I don't think this is like, I think most people, and when I say most, I mean like 98% of people, this is like, and I'm just throwing an arbitrary number out there. I think 98% of people would agree with me in wanting a, a male pilot. Like, Okay, but it's not that I'm not really chastising you or challenging that you think that. What I was challenging is the reasons behind that because you haven't really made I think me men. I think men on average are more... Um, can handle stressful situations but a little better than women. Why do you think that? On what basis do you make that claim or assertion? My eyes and ears. But what, but like but gives like so what would what would you present as evidence of this? Are there studies you can cite? Or are you just saying like in your lifetime the men in your world have for by some okay, metric? So that's one thing I hate doing, like the studies. Like I get that, you know, science is important when it comes to like having a theory, testing it out, drawing, you know, seeing the results, drawing a conclusion. I get that. But sometimes things are just common sense, right? Like, and it, all you have to do is just look at what's happening in front of you. And if you see it enough times, she's pulling it out of her behind. <laughs> Okay, whatever. I don't care. But um, if you see it enough times, like, I oh, mean, the chat. I, I was like, like I was can, like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I feel like you could just make that. You, I mean, you could just make that a statement like that. Like, I, I feel like men. I'm not saying all men, but like, if you're, you know, if you are, if you have the training, you've done it enough times. Again, I know that you can say the same thing for a woman. I just still feel what's wrong with me feeling as a woman that like that I can, there's a certain level of protection associated with men. Like when you're around men. Um, 
I don't know that there's anything inherently wrong with associating protection around certain, maybe you mean certain kinds of men. Maybe you have a certain kind of men in mind. Right. Um, particularly if that's been your experience. Maybe all, maybe all, predominantly the males in your life have been um, great sources of protection. Maybe your father, maybe you have brothers, cousins, boyfriends that you've dated, um, uh, et cetera. The association isn't the issue. The, I think the issue is that what you, you, you seem to be falling prey to a certain kind of stereo, gendered stereotyping. Um, and there are a lot of people in our society for whom those stereotypes don't really fit very well. Right. So there are women who are perfectly capable of handling pressure. They're actually amazing at it. Um, That's good. And, and I don't disagree. Right. So, but then, but then by your standards, then at least those women, however rare you may think they, that they are, would be perfectly capable of these leadership roles that you are yeah, reserving and if, for men and if, only. And if there was a situation where there were no men available to fly the plane, to pilot the plane, and they were fully capable of doing so, then they could do that. But well, why, why give the priority to change. the man if there's if there, if you exist that there are women who are per, who are just as capable of doing it as men? Then why give the priority to the men even though those women exist? That's what I, that's what I don't understand. If you have women who can control their emotions and do whatever the things that you think a person needs to do to be a good pilot, and you admit that they exist, and they are applying for the job. Why, why does it have to be true that there are no men left before you'll give them an opportunity when they're just as capable by your own standards as, as doing what the, you think the men are better at? Stereotypes. <laughs> but that's problematic, right? Because, because is it, I mean, I mean is do you like, acknowledge, do you acknowledge it, the harms is, of stereotypes? Wait, is it, hold on. Let's, let's, okay. Is it problematic to subscribe to certain stereotypes though? Is it? Yeah, because they yeah, because one of the problems with it is that the stereotypes don't apply universally to everyone. And so it creates opportunities where you're going to apply a stereotype to a person you ought not apply it to because they fit certain characteristics that are associated with the stereotype. So, you're so for example, if you have a stereotype of black males who are who are poor who are prone to violence and you happen to encounter a black man who is not really prone to violence at all has no violent intent whatsoever or criminal nefarious intent whatsoever but you yeah. presume that of them because that is a stereotype that's a problem because now you have a false positive you falsely identified a black person as having some kind of special connection with violence even when they don't because because of the stereotype that's when the stereotypes negatively impact people yeah, but i didn't I, I said certain stereotypes though i don't obviously mean all stereotypes like I don't do that in my real life. Like again, I'm I'm surrounded by men. Um, I've been surrounded by men, um, good men, and I don't have never you know labeled them in that manner just because of uh, the stereotype of men being more aggressive or more violent or whatever. So I mean, what's wrong with someone? I I again like again I know this isn't the argument, but how are you going to convince most people that would prefer a male pilot to go with a female pilot? I don't know how many people per would prefer that. And if they did, I would, I would challenge them in a similar way I'm challenging you, which is give, give the rational basis. Cause, cause to me, what it seems like you have is a, is a, is a kind of gendered prejudice. I you, do. Right, but but it seems unjustified though, because you're presuming that be, in virtue of their maleness, that they are more qualified to to fill a certain kind of role. And what I'm saying is that doesn't make I mean, sense. There's nothing about being a male. Way, it's the same way I feel like a female is more qualified to talk to me about sex or periods or you know things, you know, more associated with women. 
I, I, I view things like flying a plane or going to war, some things that are more associated with men. I, I, I don't know if that's... That, I that don't know that it's unreasonable to associate like being a pilot as a profession with men because I think it is an example well, it's of male dominated. Yeah, I think it's a male dominated profession. But and I think th but that association is is in some sense that association is in some sense contingent on the way our, our society organizes. It's not because men are especially gifted at being pilots, though. Right? There's nothing about being male that makes you that makes you especially gifted at being a pilot necessarily. I mean, I agree, but there are more men that are more gifted at flying planes. Ironically. Another male-dominated profession is being a chef, and yeah. and that's ironic because cooking it's, as a duty that is associated with women, women. historically. Okay, so here, here's the thing: maybe I'm the wrong person to talk to this about talk about this with. Um, you are the perfect person. And I actually, okay, my sister and I actually both agree that men are better at a lot of things, even things that women are supposed to be better at. At. You think men are better cooks than women? One of, yes. Why? Why do you think that? <laughs> well, what basis do you think that? Look, justify this. Not, but this is not me saying that women there aren't great. I mean, I cook pretty well myself, but I, I do think that there that that why is it wrong for me to say that there are, there are men that cook that their cooking might might be better than mine? I well, I mean. So part of what's going to color your judgment. of what's going to hold on. Part of what's going to color your judgment is your perception of whether or not the food is good is at least partially shaped by your perception of the competence of the person who made it. And if you already have an unchecked prejudice that men are better at this thing, then you're more likely going to. That's more likely going to well, boost okay. your perception of the food that you eat. Mm, no, I don't. Uh... In the same, in the same way that, in the same way that, if you looked into the cockpit and saw a male flying the plane, that's gonna have that's gonna have yeah, an I impact on your perception of how good. Women. Exactly. So that's what I'm saying. That's gonna color your. That's actually psychologically. That's actually gonna color your perception of how good the food was. That bias. I just want to make that clear. But that actually, aside, actually, that aside, actually, actually, actually. It's it's a it's weird because I wouldn't come into eat like if I'm trying a male's food, I wouldn't automatically come into it expecting that the food is gonna. I'm not gonna have any expectations. I'll be surprisingly shocked if it's really good. But what I when I when I say men probably no, are I'm, better cooks. Go ahead, go ahead. When I say that men probably are better cooks or chefs, I mean, and maybe this is media bias coming into play if you look at all the shows the cooking shows right mm -hmm. gordon ramsay um bobby flay who's an, i can't and th that's funny because i can't name any female chefs <laughs> and i just gave you two men yeah, and i'm uh, anthony I, probably no more you names know, yeah i dude okay first of all there's so many <laughs> Uh, Lisa Ray. Uh, Who's Lisa Ray? Uh, she's the she's the she's a chef. Clearly, Lisa Ray is a chef. I think, yeah. From Players Club. No, what? Oh, <laughs> no, Dale. I think that's her name. Now you got me double guessing myself. You mean oh. Rachel Ray? Yeah, my bad, Rachel Ray. I, that, that was that was my that was my bad. You got you, you <laughs> I was got like, me on Lisa that. Lisa Ray one. is not a chef. <laughs> 
No, you're right. You're right. Yeah, I met Rachel Ray when I said Lisa Ray, and and my brain confused those two things. So that that's that's on me. I'll take that. Hold L. on, hold on. Sorry, someone said L. I hate when women argue from their personal experiences and not on. I told you about oh, the trolls. Why, don't feed them. And this is why men are better suited. Thank you. Don't prove my don't, point. Don't do that. Anyway, that, go person, ahead. that person might be a man, though. Okay, I don't. I don't care. He's they're entitled to their. You opinion. seem to care when it comes to whether or not he's going to be in a leadership role. No, I was agreeing with him though. Okay, or them. I don't know who that. I don't know who that. Yeah, what their is. Okay, but so what I'm okay. What I'm trying to point out is, there's nothing inherently about being male that makes you especially gifted at, at being a chef. And in fact, what's especially ironic about that prejudice is that cooking is a duty that is associated with women historically. So you kind of would expect women to be better at that if they're supposed to be more suited for that role. You would. Right. But I mean, if it if it just so happens to be that they're not, I mean, obviously, and also taste is subjective, whatever. But I I do think that when 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 I see, I mean, so again, the, here's my thing: there there's nothing about maleness of it, to me. It's irrelevant. What will be relevant is whether the food tastes good or not. Like it, like there's not like you're putting a lot of stock into a person's gender that is not really connected with their competence in these areas. Being a woman or being a man has nothing to do with your, your ability to have competence in being a pilot or being a chef or whatever other thing that you think <laughs> are gendered in this way, being president, uh, being a Supreme court justice. Do you think that there should be what any women sports? on the Supreme court? What about sports? I think that there are phenomenal female athletes. That I think I think that the I think that the top male athletes um almost always outperform the top female athletes in, okay. in almost every sport. Okay. That's a fact. Okay. But that ha that's a function of biolo biological differences between men and women and not and, and so that actually that actually would make more sense if that's what you're trying to argue in terms of being better at certain things. Uh but that wouldn't that wouldn't apply to things like being a pilot because that's not dependent on one's physical prowess. And so those not. biological no, so those biological differences aren't going to matter as much. Or being a chef is not is not contingent so I mean, much chef, on one's I physical prowess. I understand, but I feel like there's some there's some agility, there's some there's I think there are physical so, I'll, I'll I'll still manage. So yeah, so for example, if you wanted to be a fighter pilot uh, being able to withstand g forces going that that's that, that actually is a physical thing. Um, and so that might impact a woman's uh, uh, ability uh, to be uh, competent and very, very good as a fighter pilot. And that actually might partially explain why there aren't that many female fighter pilots and there haven't been historically, partially, that partially explained it. That's just one factor. Or even um, regular pilots. Yeah, but they don't have to withstand, like if you're going to be a commercial uh, pilot. Why don't women want to fly planes? Who says they women don't want to fly planes? Why don't this more is, women want to fly planes? Who said Why aren't there an equal number of women that are flying planes? Flying so there's a planes? bunch of systemic factors I've that actually. I've never been flown by a female. There's a, so there are there are female pilots. Yeah, I have. I, there are, I, there are a bunch of. I know they're, they're rare though. Pilots. I know they're rare, yes, but I why have, are they I have, rare? I well, so there are a bunch of systemic reasons for that, <laughs> and they are complicated. And not it's not systemic? a simple reason. Yes, yes. So it has. So in order to be a uh, uh, in order to be a commercial pilot, do you know what you have to do? No. So one of the things, and I'm not an expert at this at all, and I can look this up to, if you want us, this to be more informed, but one, there's a lot of hoops you have to jump through in order to be a pilot. You have to get a okay. lot of hours of training. 
of, okay. of flight hours in order to be eligible to like before they put you in the cockpit in order in order to fly people you have to get a lot of hours in that shit's expensive and the process to get your license is expensive as fuck too um okay. now that can be that can present certain obstacles for women partially because um a lot of women aren't breadwinners or at least historically haven't been one two there's all kinds of biases are you about that like, people have are you talking about now no, I'm talking about historically. Can we history. talk about now? Well, now is going to be linked to the history, so we're not going to talk about it in isolation. Okay. Okay. Um, you the, you got to go to flight school and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And you no, have to no, get no. into those schools. Okay. And so there's all kinds of decisions being made about who's going to get in and who's not going to get in, who's cut okay. from the job and who's not cut from the job, right? If you set the criteria in a way that discriminates against women, then that's going to negatively, that's going to shave off women that can be in the final pool. So if you're going to make some kind of physicality a requirement for being able to go into the school, for example, they, I don't know. They, that, I don't know that this is an actual. I don't know that this is actually how it is, and I can look it up for you. That's fine. But, but my, my point is, my point criteria, is that's an example. Would they cut off the criteria to make? I mean, to make it seem like they're trying to get not have women join no it may that may not like, even be the intent they, they actually may feel like you need to have a certain kind of physicality yeah so what's wrong like so that would be a partial explanation for why so many women there aren't that many women in the profession yeah but if that is required to fly the plane then i think but what if it's there's not an though. argument being made here that goes in my favor and i don't know how to articulate it that well but yeah but it's not necessarily the case that the requirements or the criteria that they have are necessary or are rational right? why because people set criteria that aren't rational all the time you you just said yeah, but I you think required first, you required a, a, like a pilot to be male plane. because you feel like males can control their no, emotions but I think there's something that's an like arbitrary criteria where people's, other people's lives are involved you're in the 30 50 000 feet in the air like you want to make sure that that criteria is on point, and if it excludes women, I mean, well, uh, okay. Yeah, but that pre but that presumes that women are not capable of meeting the criteria, and that's I mean, the problem. They, and what if they aren't? They aren't. I mean, I but what if they are, and you're just assuming? Okay, that then they, not. okay. And if they are, then they should be able to fly. Okay, but but if majority if, are if not, is, but if the criteria I, is discriminating I, against I never, women, I, mean, effectively, I never made the argument that they shouldn't be allowed to fly. I just I know that, I but you're, said, you're not even allowing I me to finish the point I'm making. I what I'm saying is, if the criteria for what it takes to be a pilot is defined in such a way where it arbitrarily d discriminates against women, but what right? if it doesn't? You're assuming that. Okay, but what I'm saying, I'm not assuming anything. I'm saying if it does. That's that. That's one way that women are being excluded from a talent pool of actually being able to access or become that thing that isn't really based on anything. That's that. Until whatever, to whatever extent that you have systemic factors like that that are barriers to women achieving those outcomes, that's something that you should be able to criticize. That's what I was trying to say. Now I've arrived at the point. <laughs> I don't think. Yeah, but again, I mean, that doesn't move the needle for me. I, I just, I don't. If the criterion, the criteria that you're, we don't know what the criteria is, right? But whatever it is, if that is what is needed, if that's the baseline for what is needed to successfully fly a plane, and it just so happens to exclude a lot of women, I mean, I think I'm willing to take that chance because I'd rather land safely than not. 
All right. Well, let's uh, get into it since you brought it up. And we're not even talking about what we were supposed to talk about yet, but it's fine. Because <laughs> you, 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 you are being impossible right now. All right. So, am I? Smithsonian Magazine. Uh, why are there so few female pilots? Identifying the barriers that stop women from flying. This was written in 2015. If this is too old, I could find some more recent. All right. There are. 599,086 pilots in the United States as of December 2013, but only 6.61%, or 39,621 are women. By the way, that's a lot of women. That's a pilots. lot of women. Yeah, but you, but, but, but you wouldn't want get to get into a plane where any of them flew, according to you, because you don't think that they can cut it, right? I have a preference for men. I feel like that's different. You have a bias for men. Yes. That is- that's yeah, irrational. Yeah. But here we go. Um, but the numbers are somewhat misleading. Of that number, just 25,216 have an other than student pilot certificate. Just 4.12, just 4.21% of the total of all US pilots. So only 4.21% can actually have a have a license a pilot certificate that's not where they're not like a student, they're not designated a student. In late 2011, uh, Muriel Goyer, founder of Women of Aviation Worldwide Week, contacted the FAA and obtained certificate statistics from 1960 to 2010. She determined that there was an increase in the number of female pilots during the 1960s, 70s, and 80s when the numbers rose from 4,218 to 26,896. Damn. So, what led to the increase? That's like six. That's like six times. Yeah. What led to the increase? I don't know. It didn't say. But since 1980. Only 555 U.S. women have earned and other than student license, the percentage of pilots' licenses earned by women has stayed flat. I don't know why that's crossed out. I guess they meant to delete that. Text corrected. Okay. So it's showing what the text used to say. So I guess it's supposed to read, but since 1980, the percentage of pilot licenses earned by women has stayed flat. Why are so few women becoming pilots? For answers, we we looked at some of the uh, studies in absent aviators, gender issues in aviation. Edited by Donna Bridges, Jane Neal Smith, and Albert Mills. The study conducted by Deanne Gibbons, a sociologist and member of the Royal Australian Air Force, indicated that young girls view piloting as difficult, dangerous, and more more of a man's job. I wonder why. Additionally, views about what constitutes a typical pilot were extremely strong, writes Gibbons. A number of participants expressed a belief that they wouldn't suit flying because they lacked the typical pilot traits of arrogance overconfidence and lifelong obsession with aviation there's evidence as given that girls who become either commercial or military pilots have had an early association with flying something gibbons labels an epiphany moment these are triggered by direct exposure to flying either visiting the cockpit during a commercial flight watching aircraft take off from an airfield or taking a joyride during a vacation most of the women interviewed experienced their epiphany moment between the ages of five and ten these childhood experiences were then bolstered by hands-on flying experience in the girls teenage years the participants also described having aviation obsessed fathers who encouraged their interests although the fathers were only rarely pilots themselves absent aviators includes the results of a two-year u.s study by penny raffrey hamilton a colorado-based pilot and aviation educator hamilton surveyed female flight students in an effort to identify barriers that stop women from earning a pilot license the top reason given was lack of money for flight training called it followed by instructor student communication incompatibility i didn't call that though instructors leaving flight instruction to take airline or charter service jobs requiring the flight student to start over with another instructor and a lack of female mentors 
Other barriers include lack of experience with and knowledge of mechanical systems and a lack of map reading experience. These obstacles can be overcome, says Hamilton, in a variety of ways. General aviation training scholarships could be expanded for women over 50 who want to start women over 50 who want to start a complete flight programs. Most current funding uh, targets a younger demographic, she says. Flight, uh, female flight students could be encouraged to build confidence in the more simulator time and those with, with peak map reading skills and little mechanical. Okay, I think I'm satisfied with this. So the top reasons are the ones I'll stick to because um, this gives me a, because a, a, I was kind of guessing before because I didn't know. But the top reason given for was lack of money for flight training. So women not being breadwinners or women not getting their own money or lacking money in some sense or another is one of the obstacles that I suspect it would be. And that's one of the top one cited. Uh, followed by instructor-student communication incompatibility was another one. Instructor-student communication incompatibility. So the way that the instructor communicates with the student is, and probably because of the male-dominated nature of the profession, it's probably a bunch of men who communicate uh, with the women in ways that maybe they don't appreciate. I, I, I'm assuming that that's part of the dynamic there. Instructors leaving flight instruction to take airline or charter service jobs. So you have a flight instructor, but then they leave to go take a job somewhere. And now you have to start over with a different instructor. And so you're like, eh, screw this. I'm not doing this. And then requiring the flight student to start over. Oh, sorry. And then a lack of female mentors. So that's actually related to what I said before, which is like most of the mentors are men. And so it, it kind of reinforces the idea that this is a man's thing. Um, I don't know. These are These are some barriers or obstacles that are cited. What do you think? Um, I think that's fair. Like, I, I didn't disagree with why, the, with um, the reasons as to why women probably don't have access to becoming pilots that you mentioned before reading the article. I didn't disagree with them. I mean, the, they're kind of the same reasons why men that want to be pilots, uh, you know, on their own, don't, probably don't have access to being pilots too. So, I mean, I just, I, I, I don't know. I just, <laughs> my, my mind. I mean, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, look, if I, I just don't know that that many women want to be pilots to begin with. I feel like that's the top reason, actually. Yeah, but um, one of the reasons, why, but what are the reasons why though? There's got to be reasons, right? I don't know. Fear of heights. Fear of heights. Maybe, maybe other women thinking the same thing as me, that that's just something that men should do. Yeah, but why do they think that? Let's unpack that. What's I, I don't have any issue with them thinking that. Like No, but why do they think that? What, are the, what gives rise to the thought, though, the, the patterns in thought? Gender roles? Well, that's closer, but like there's a social component, right? Like we associate yeah, I mean, yeah. we associate certain kinds of tasks with certain men, yeah, and, and others genders. to women, yeah. And and but we there's nothing about being a man that necessitates we associate maleness with flying airplanes, though, right? Other than, you know, the fact that probably like 
me, most people have only ever seen male pilots, whether yeah. in real life or in movies, TV mm -hmm. shows, magazines. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, that that's something I look, I agree that that's something that's been ingrained in our heads. Mm -hmm. um, but <laughs> I mean, I mean, it kind of goes back to my previous point. I, I feel like some gender stereotypes are, I'm cool with, some, I'm cool with some of them. I'm cool with a lot of them. Well, they don't, they don't contradict your conception of yourself, right? No. What if they did? Then didn't, wouldn't you find them more problematic or annoying? Not in this case. What do, you, what do you mean? What does that mean? I'm talking about in general. Oh, um, again, I'm. I, I feel like I'm the wrong person to think think about this because I, I stereotypes don't don't annoy me that much. But wouldn't they annoy you if they contra if if you had a, a pervasive stereotype about what it means to be, let's say, a Nigerian woman that did not comport with who you were, and people were acting as if the stereotype applied to you when it didn't? Wouldn't that annoy you? I mean, I'm I'm like I'm one of those people that it's like if it don't apply, let it fly. Okay, so I know for a fact, or let me not say that. I assume, and correct me if I'm wrong, that you've dealt with pejorative African stereotypes. Yeah, and I laugh. So, but you never, in any sense, were annoyed by it, though. It never was the kind of thing at any in in any situation where you're just like, that's not cool. I'm kind of sick of this. I'm sick of hearing. Oh, you mean okay? So one, a really good one is like Nigerians and scamming. That's right? a, okay. Like, well, I was thinking more African booty scratcher, which is just a general one. For oh, African I laugh at that. What? That is so, so you, funny. So you, yeah. I just so think you, people are you've ignorant. never, you've never found that offensive ever. You've always been cool with that. And I don't mean people like joking with you like they're your friends. Okay, I mean me, people me, who are genuinely me, like, "Ill, you're disgusting. Get away from me." Let me, let me be. I mean, I feel like I've, I've been honest this entire time, but let me just be very candid, like, or candid, not very. Um, when, because I have been called an African booty scratcher. And I genuinely feel at the time, because the reason, and the reason why I can, I de it doesn't bother me at all now is because I don't even, I don't remember it bothering me back then either. I literally really just thought like, oh, there, maybe I, I don't think at the time I knew what the, what the word, I don't know. I don't remember how old I was, but I don't know if I, I used the word ignorant at that time when I, at that age, but that's what I was thinking. Like, oh, they're so dumb, like to call me that, but whatever, that's what they want to do. I never, like, it wasn't. But like, what if people were acting with respect to you as if you were disgusting or you had hygiene issues because they genuinely bought into what the stereotype implies? Africans are dirty, that they don't clean themselves, all that kind of shit. Like that, you, you, that like I mean, but if, if the I, seriousness I, of the application is what I'm trying to get you to like really be honest about. No, you I, didn't I, find I, that understand. problematic. I, I get it. I get it. I, I I mean if I genuinely I mean if I genuinely had hygiene issues. No, I'm then, I'm not saying if you had them. I'm saying if they assumed you did because you were African. 
I mean, that's not... They wrongly assumed you did because that's a negative stereotype associated with Africans. You, you would find that problematic at all? And then they treated you in all kinds of horrible, shitty ways because of it. Like, you wouldn't find that problematic at all? I, I just find that hard to believe. That's I mean, what you're no, saying, it is, you haven't said it, that. Okay, look, it is problematic. But, uh, but again, like, you know, people handle what is thrown at them differently. Fair. I'm not really asking you about how you would handle it. I'm more, I'm more trying it, to. No, get it's you okay. To... It's problematic. Yes. Okay. So that to me, that's an example of how stereotypes can go awry, and they can get fairly serious fairly quickly. Um, and so the problematic nature of stereotypes is what I'm trying to get you to appreciate. It's not that they're always inherently bad. It's that mm -hmm. sometimes they suggest associations between people who fit a certain identity category and pejorative things that don't apply, or sometimes just things in general, whether pejorative or not, that don't apply to them. And people act with respect to them as if they do apply when they don't. Right, and that creates opportunity for all kinds of problematic stuff. Sometimes yeah. it's fairly innocuous. Sometimes it's like, oh, you know, you must like fried chicken. Oh, you don't like fried chicken? You're a vegan? Oh, my bad. Like, it's not like a big deal. Yeah. Not like I'm trying to insult you. It's just like, oh, like black people usually like fried chicken. That's a thing. But like, you're a vegan. My bad. But like other times, it's like, oh, you're black, so like you might steal my fucking purse. So I'm gonna clutch my purse when I'm in the elevator alone with you because I don't fucking trust you because you're black. It's like damn you don't even know me lady like why are you treating me like that like 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 why are you crossing the street and shit like i don't i'm not even thinking about you like what the fuck is that like that's more problematic right and so not all of the examples are going to be the same but what i'm saying is sometimes you do have this problematic stuff and to awkwardly transition to the thing we're supposed to be talking about is that kind of thing is what's going on with gender stereotypes when you have expectations of people who present as certain genders um, that don't comport with who they are, or who they feel they are, or how they actually behave. There's op there's the same or analogous opportunity for misunderstanding and and for prejudice um, against that person that can negatively impact their life, and in some uh, extreme cases, negatively impact their life prospects. Um, and so when it when it comes to this one as a woman thing, I think that that for the people left to center are trying to point that out. But the what is a woman documentary has this whole thing about like questioning this whole business this whole kind of woke nonsense business because that's the tenor of the film uh with gender ideology and my pushback is that i think that matt walsh had, had missed an opportunity to actually like deeply investigate uh these things in a more good faith way and to steel man the people who he clearly was opposed to um but he wanted to underscore some things that i think are problematic and there is some validity to some of the uh um latest and greatest medical conventions that are being adopted uh, in terms of providing what they call as gender affirming care for uh, young teens and young kids in particular. Like that is a hot mess. It is very you experimental. You mean mutilation, medicalization and manipulation? Um, well, the mutilization, the mutilation is controversial of a term to use, but definitely that's it, that's what's called being called into question is to what extent are these children being abused by these medical practices? And to what extent is this abuse being uh, perversely incentivized by the the monetary benefits that the people who are providing all of these kinds of permanent surgeries and whatnot um, are stand to gain they, 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 like. You can, get, you can get a lot of money. The, the, the contention of people right of center is there's a lot of money in it. <laughs> so that's incentivizing people to strongly encourage very young children to undergo very permanent transformations to their bodies if they feel gender dysphoria, whether they're diagnosed with it or not. That's interesting. Um, 
and certain medical practitioners are probably better or more responsible than others. I don't think that everybody's doing it the same way, to be fair, but that's kind of what the documentary is getting at. But to, the, to turning to the documentary, I want to throw something out to you. This is the first question about it that we've had, which is like, what is a part of the documentary that sticks out the most? Like, you're just like, man, we got to talk about this because when that happened, oh boy. Mm. And I can throw out some suggestions too. I mean, I there are a couple of scenes that came to mind, come to mind, but the one that sticks out the most. I'm gonna reframe it. The one that got on my nerves the most. <laughs> um the scene, I don't and I don't remember anyone's names name, but this the part where the guy tried to say that truth was Matt trying to, you know, get at the truth was um what was the word he used? I can't Transphobic remember. and rude. When he yes. went to the University yes. of Tennessee. Yes. yes. So yeah, so that so Matt went to the University of Tennessee to interview Dr. Patrick uh Grzenka, I think is how you pronounce his name. Okay. So he traveled all the way to the University of Tennessee to interview him. Uh, and that person was a professor of women and gender sexuality, women, gender, and sexuality studies at the University of Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Um and so why why does that stick out to you? Why why was that so salient to you? Well, I mean, because Look, I, I remember when um, people, I, I okay, I get why or how people could think that Matt or other people asking this question, what is a woman, could be seen as like facetious or whatever, right? Like, okay, we all know what a woman is. Why do you why do you keep asking the question? Um, but I, I mean, there's a reason why he's asking because there are people that, you know, refuse to answer the question. And that's what, what was his name? Dr. What? Grzynski? Grzynska? Uh, uh, Dr. Patrick. And I want to say Grzynka. I can spell it. I, I don't know how to pronounce it. I, I hope I'm not pronouncing it wrong. Um, Dr. Patrick was not really trying to answer the question. Now, there was a part where... Um, he was saying a lot of things and I guess the, the director or whoever's decision it was while he was saying things, they kind of like, I don't know what it's called in the, in movie world, but they, they kind of like glossed over a lot of the things he, he was saying. So there could have been some, some important things that he was saying in that moment um, that we could have missed, but they just didn't think it was relevant enough to include in the, in the documentary but you know when when matt was like you know what is a woman and the guy immediately was like why are you asking me that and i believe what, if what, I, what, so i've seen this so many times so i just a quick okay, yeah. i believe what he i believe what he what? asked him was um how are sex and gender related or something that, that's what matt asked the yeah. guy so sorry so, so is is there a difference between sex and gender he was he was asking about the dichotomy between sex and gender or how what the relationship was i forget the exact words he used but that that's what i believe he was asking him. is this before he went off on a tangent or after they got back? it was he asked him that question and then he did the thing that you just described where 
they have like a time it, it, it signified that he had been talking something. for a long time and yeah. and then they played this like dramatic music and they zoom in on his face and he's just looking at him like what the fuck are you saying um and then he, and then it ends abruptly and he's done and he's like so and then he asked the question again <laughs> so how are sex and gender different <laughs> so are sex and gender the same thing like that was that and it was kind of like a punchline now to me that epitomizes the missed opportunity that i think matt had to seriously engage with what was being said um he framed it as it's ridiculous nonsense just verbal diarrhea uh, and 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 it, and it did accurately portray the attitude with which a lot of people right of center have approached this issue. Yeah. So in that sense, it was a it was a dunking on the left, but it's a missed opportunity because some people genuinely are trying to figure out like what is the left actually saying. And my instinct, even though you don't like us milk toast fence sitters, is that's an opportunity right there to actually like steal man like. Take what he's saying, try to distill it, try to make it the most comprehensible, particularly to a set of people who you know are not likely to just to agree. Mm-hmm. Put it in terms they can understand, bolster it, and now let's evaluate. Now let's challenge it. But until you've done that part, till you've still manned it, it's not going to be as effective in helping people engage with the truth or falsity of what's being claimed. But Matt could have also genuinely thought that what he was saying was a lot of crap i do think that matt probably thought that but that's a reveal that that might be revelatory of a bias that matt has because what he said if even though matt thinks specifically or or the people that work for the daily wire wire thought that it was a load of bull what if they're just misunderstanding what he's saying and you never gives the audience the opportunity to even evaluate that because of the way that he covers i agree i agree but then but but you know in the next couple of scenes i mean even if, and I and I don't, I if I were to guess, if I were to assume, I mean, sorry, I am on the right. If I were to assume, if he was actually making sense in whatever he was saying during that, you know, time lapse or whatever you want to call it, um, he probably wasn't making any kind of sense because of what happened after that, when you know he was basically saying that the truth was transphobic. And not but wanting that's, to but miss that's what we, the questions. But but I don't know that that is a reasonable conclusion. Like I, the, it's a reasonable. I think it's fairly reasonable to suspect that that happened. But to conclude that that happened, I don't think that that follows because by that point in the interview, he may have become frustrated by what he perceived to be bad faith engagement. Right, because people who are on that side can. But they assume fairly quickly recognize no not all of them but but college professors who have engaged about this subject matter with various different people over extended periods of time can in general fairly quickly assess when a person is engaging in good faith or not right not they're, they're not always infallible with okay. that judgment okay even if matt was engaging in bad faith why not just answer the question well, because I think that what he became a little perturbed by is Matt was asking the question as if he was expecting a very simple answer. And a lot of people who genuinely believe what this particular person believes, the kind of thing he believes, do not think that those types of questions have simple answers. They think that they have very complex, nuanced answers. And that's what he tried to convey. It was like, he's like, I saw that in your questions. 
And I was thinking like, man, we spent entire seminars answering this question. So it's going to be kind of like, he was prefacing his answer by saying like, man, like this is a big question. And then Matt proceeded to, you know, or the, whoever the makers of the documentary are proceeded to portray him as though he was just pontificating endlessly saying nonsense. When I think he was trying to give, but I think he was trying to give a good faith answer that genuinely encapsulated what he actually believed to be the okay, answer. Okay, I, I think so too. Right. I think he, I think and and, I think and so. we don't even we don't even know fully what he said. And so it's gonna be hard for us to evaluate whether it's nonsense or not, particularly if he's using or evoking terminology or concepts that are germane to what he's trying to say that that are specialized jargon in his profession, right? Like mm -hmm. that kind of thing I'm susceptible to or I'm sensitive to because um, philosophy, which is my bread and butter, and I'm not a professor at all, but I was like super into philosophy in college and I was a philosophy major. And a lot of times, a lot of questions that would seem basic to the lay person would actually be a lot more profound and deep and actually more difficult to answer. And so when I hear somebody that's a college professor say that when it comes to concepts such as gender and sex and how they relate to each other, like... I understand where he's coming from. And so the fact that he didn't give a sense, a common sense or sen or short terse answer to me is not a strike against his answer. But to a lot of people who are operating at the level that Matt's operating under, it was a strike and it was a blow to his credibility because they're already ready to believe that these uber liberal campuses produce nonsense. A blow to whose credibility? The professor? The professor. The professor. Oh, okay. The professor. I mean, I, I feel like if, again, if he thought Matt was coming with in, with bad faith, if he really wanted to, you know, get people to understand where he was coming from, he could have put it, I mean, he could have, I think you could make it simple. I mean, but like what? So, okay, if I was in Matt Walsh's shoes, my approach would have been slightly different. I would have been able, I would have asked some of the questions that Matt asked. I think those were fair questions. I mean, but you still, but my approach would have been, I would have been like, I would have showed what he said in full context. Then my next move would have been, let me try to prompt him to distill what he's saying or clarify what he's saying because I have an audience of people who are not going to understand what that means. That's what I would have done. I wouldn't have done what Matt Walsh in the Daily Wire did, which is, Make it seem like he's droning on, pontificating, not fully showing what he's saying in his full context, and then acting like he just said some nonsense. Like that was how it was presented. I don't think that was fair. That wasn't good faith, in my opinion. Well, he probably just genuinely stopped listening. Like, I mean, yeah, but he had the camera rolling. That's not an excuse. He could have played it in its full entirety. That's an editing choice that they made. To yeah, make but him you, look still, like you that. want him. I mean, he probably, I mean, look. He probably needed to, he had time constraints. He needed to make, he wanted to make sure that the documentary was still entertaining. I get what you're saying, but like, I yeah, mean. But he, sac I but he sacrificed the good faith engagement. But he sacrificed the good faith engagement for the entertainment he wasn't, he, What if he felt like the guy wasn't, him, he himself wasn't it. it, it um, the point I'm making, that's not relevant to the point I'm making. What I'm saying is even consistent with him not thinking that it was, a great answer. He still could have done the responsible good faith thing. And I'm I talking agree. about motive and intellectual I, no, I, I, I and showed what he said, the way he said it, and, not, and not do it. Okay, so then, it up in a transcript, put it on the screen. Right, but also, but no, but, but, but after that, to, to really engage in good faith, what I would have done and what I suggest he could have done something 
like this is began to in his interview questions to clarify. You said this, and this is something that I think my audience is not going to understand. Could you unpack that a little bit? What do you mean by that? When I hear you say this term, this may be kind of a jargon term, kind of in your profession. I'm sorry, I'm a lay person. Can you explain it to me? Like, like, what do you mean by that? When I hear when I when, when you say this word or this term, I think this. Is that a good way to understand it? It's a bad way to understand it. Why is it a good way? Why is it a bad way? Like that 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 mode of clarification. To, so that we now can get better understanding of what this professor just said that might have been stupefying to my audience. I have I have now engaged in a way where I'm maximizing the likelihood that they can understand where he's coming from, even if they disagree. That's a good faith engagement. But what Matt did was not good faith engagement because he didn't even create the opportunity for him. And also, if Matt had engaged that way, he would have conveyed, among well, other he things. Didn't the opportunity. Hold on, hold on. If Matt would have engaged in that way that I just described, he would have he would have conveyed, among other things, that I'm actually interested in your perspective, the way you actually think it, whether I agree or not. Right. I'm not coming in here implying with my demeanor and my tone that you don't know what the fuck you're talking about, which is exactly what Matt did. And he was he was he picked up on that because he seems like he's a pretty smart dude. Seems like a pretty astute, you know, observe, you know, dude, whether he's right or wrong about his views on gender. And I think that's what he was incensed by, is he thought that, that Matt was being condescending in his mode of engagement with him. And he's not wrong because Matt was giving a whole bunch of body language and facial expressions that said that he wasn't feeling what he was saying. And that's, that, those are subtle ways of communication that people are, people are generally really good at picking up on. You don't have to be a college professor with a fucking degree at the University of Tennessee to pick up on nonverbal cues. You know what I mean? And so I think that's what he was incensed by. But the, what, what we saw... Was what was 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 devised in a way, and it could maybe it's true. I don't know, but it appeared as if he was incensed by the fact that Matt was asking him very simple questions, and he was getting frustrated I mean, that Matt wasn't accepting his weird answers. I don't, I don't disagree. Look, I don't. I think Matt did that on purpose, honestly. Right, but I'm criticizing what he did. Is what I'm saying. That's fine, but I, I think he did that for the. I think he I think he not only genuinely felt that way and whatever cues he was giving or whatever he was asking, I thought I think he also meant to do that for because I mean the film is a little sarcastic as well. So I didn't mind but yes, it, but it undermines it. I get I understand, but he's also I think Matt and I'm not saying this is right or wrong, but Matt I think also assumed that the people that would be viewing this documentary are also people that agree with him and, you know, carry his stance and would probably react the same exact way. Again, I'm not saying that he was right in doing that, but like, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I chuckled at that part, which I, I think a I, lot I, of people had, did. So yeah, there were reasons I think effect. besides, <laughs> besides actually getting to the nitty gritty of, you know, what the difference between gender and sex is or whatever questions that Matt had, you know, what is a woman? I think he also just really wanted to make sure that um, he brought some art and, you know, kept people engaged with the not, the bad faith that he brought to well, that's not an excuse, the conversation. It's not, but I'm just... I, I hear what you're saying. But imagine if... I hear what you're saying. Like, I, I mean... <laughs> I hear what you're saying, I, but imagine if so. You and I have been engaging in a back and forth about things that partially I genuinely disagree. Partially, I'm just playing devil's advocate. I've been trying to be clear about that. Yeah. But imagine if I took this footage after the fact, clipped it and edited it in a way that made you look like you didn't know what you was talking about because uh -huh. I wanted to entertain my audience. Mm -hmm. Right? Wouldn't that be bad faith? Like, like you 
put a certain amount of trust in, in, just, in me coming on my show. I and- just said, I, I, I just said, I, I recognize the bad faith that Matt Walsh did, but if you wanted to do that to me, that's your prerogative to do. It's your channel. It's your, it's your content. But wouldn't you be critical of it? Would I be critical of it? In so far yeah. as I unfairly made you look bad by it. Yeah, I would definitely have a reaction, but again, it's your yeah. content. And if I no, I, I know you're 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 validating the fact that I have the right to do it. But what I'm saying is, I think that you're acknowledging that it would be problematic to do that. If I if if what in fact I was trying to do was engage in good faith about something that we sincerely disagree about, and so that criticism is what I'm now applying to Matt. And I'm saying he dropped the ball on that. His documentary could have been more respectable had he not done things like that and throughout the entire film. Like if he would have actually engaged, like. Like, I have a perspective, I have my own views, but I'm genuinely going to, like, challenge my own perspective. And I'm going to engage with everything that I disagree with as though it might be true. I think he thought, you know, sitting with the people that he disagrees with was enough. Like, even just being in a room with them and asking. Like, I mean, come on, Jason, you have to understand, like, when you get to, when you're asking someone a question, and you probably felt this, you probably felt it with me today if you're asking someone a question and they're not giving you the answer that you know that they're you know they're supposed to give you or you know like you know as I've admitted that they're being facetious I mean at some point you're gonna want you're not gonna really want to care about what they have to say especially if you know your stand, you know, your stance isn't going to change. I get that he could again. I agree that he could have used that um, that specific scene to, um, uh, I guess, uh, give people more understanding on what you know the the left is trying to say when it comes to this topic. But I mean, I mean, I'm not mad. Like I'm not mad at him for doing it the way he did, just like I wouldn't be mad at a leftist if they did the same thing. Like, I get that it's problematic, but it's not, to me, it's not like... Well, like, why are you not mad at it if you recognize that it's problematic? Are you agree with me? Do I agree with Matt? Yeah, is that why you, you're not mad at it? Because you agree with him? I Yeah, I, I, yeah, I agree with Matt. But is that um, why you're not mad at what he did that you recognize as problematic? You're saying you're not mad at what he's doing that. I'm not mad because it was his, it's that's it, it was his choice. That's his choice to make. It's his platform, it's his documentary. Should he have done it? Whatever he wants with it. Should he have done it, in your opinion? If he was trying to change or get people to see the others, I mean. Sure. You think he should have done it or he shouldn't have? Sure. Yes, he should have done it. He should have he should have allowed us to hear what the doctor, the good doctor was trying to say. Okay. But what I okay, that okay. You you clarify what you meant and that I asked it maybe in a way that was not clear and that's my fault, but you you your your answer's satisfactory. So okay. So that so to me, part of what's at stake here is he's talking about a controversial issue that has formidable arguments on both sides. 
and he presented it as if only one side has the formidable arguments and the other side doesn't. Yeah, he did. Mm -hmm. And that bias taints what he tried to do, in my opinion. What he what he had an opportunity to do was to prevent both of the best side, the best arguments on both sides, and then enable his viewers to make a choice on their own. And he could have stated even explicitly, like, I agree with this for these reasons, but at the very least, I want everybody that's a viewer to know that here are the reasons why the people who disagree with you think what they think. And now it's your and you choice. don't think he did that with the other people on that side? You don't think he I think, gave- I think the majority of the film had to, had a similar tone of mockery. Um, with everybody? With with. I think his engagement with almost everybody had that similar tone of dry humor and mockery. Yeah, it was very, very troll. Which I think was the intent. Like, I, I that, did too. That, that was his artistic. That's what. That's but what it was biased, artistic. though, and that's the criticism. It's not it's, it, it, artistic, though. Listen, it may have been. It's gonna it's be biased. biased. He's conservative. It's gonna be biased. No, but it, no, no, but it's biased in a way that's not good faith engagement, though. Like the fact that he had a view is not what I'm criticizing. He's it welcome to have his view. Engagement. It was. But it was not as good as it could have been, is my point, right? Okay. Right. He did the interviews. He, for the most part, interviewed people without, like, calling them names and stuff and ad homming them. But, like, most of the most of the egregiousness happened in post when he edited things and emphasized things that they said that are liable to be perceived as kooky, especially out of context. But even in the context that, I mean, a, a lot of the context he probably preserved from the interview, to be fair to him, I don't think he decontextualized everything, but like some of that stuff needed to be unpacked because a lot of the terms that people are evoking, if you're not familiar with the terminology, you're liable not to understand what they're trying to get at. And that, I think, is a bit irresponsible with such a with such an important issue where there are there is a minority segment of the population that stands to be, um, what I was saying was, I think it was irresponsible on his part to um, deprive the audience of the opportunity to see the most formidable arguments on both sides. Um, what he chose instead to do, stylistic or creative though it may have been, is to subtly mock the other side for what people who already agree with Matt Walsh are likely to perceive as kooky views. And a lot of the language that they used, he used their language against them without any, he didn't feel the impetus to translate what they were saying um in in terms that people who don't talk that way or who are not used to talking in that way could better understand where they were coming from so he didn't maximize the ability for people on the right to understand where people on the left are coming from he minimized that ability and i think that that's irresponsible because there there, there's a lot at stake for a certain minority faction of our population who identifies trans and non-binary who the perpetuation of certain negative or pejorative stereotypes around their experience of gender dysphoria or around what, how they conceive of themselves is liable to color how other people behave with respect to them. And indeed, it's liable to prompt some of the persecution that they face, or if you don't prefer that term, some of the discriminant forms of discrimination and hate and oppression that they face. So that, that's what was at, part of what was at stake. For Matt Walsh and people who agree with him already, what was really at stake was stopping the 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 woke blue-haired pink-haired wearing radicals from transing the kids and like if you frame it that way then it's like all right you're gonna miss a lot of nuance from the other side and you're gonna end up demonizing people who actually don't have nefarious intention at all so and this is where i'll 
stop you. I don't think that people on uh, Matt's side see any nuance. And I don't think that with this situation, I don't, this particular topic, I don't think there is any. But there is though. Mm. <laughs> How is there not? So there is, I'm not, okay. There is nuance. I don't think it's enough to make anyone change their mind or make anyone empathetic or sympathetic to. Then why not present the nuance? Why, why, why choose stylistically to. They've seen the nuance. They, they, they see it every day. If if they see it, then how can they deny that there is nuance? You you just said that you don't think anybody on that side. Okay. Meaning like. There isn't enough there to change anyone's mind. But how would they know unless you presented it to them? That's what I'm saying. Like they, a lot of these people are unaware of the details and the nuances that Matt didn't present. What nuances should he have presented? So what do you think one of the have? reasons why, for example, people in who are operating in good faith are looking to start putting young children on puberty blockers is because puberty itself is a process that starts as early as 10 years old. And there is a tension in this discourse between medical practices that have children as young as 12, 13, 14 going on puberty blockers at the, uh, with their parents' consent in, mo- in most, the vast majority of cases, and in some <laughs> and in some rare cases, despite the fact that their parents don't want it, or one of their parents don't want it, um, the reason why they're trying to do this is because they're trying to take into account puberty, which is which factually, medically, is well known to start as early as 10 in some people. And so what they're trying to do is they're trying to pause, according to them, certain natural processes of development of certain secondary sex characteristics such that yeah. the person right. the people the people in question are not going to have to undergo the more evasive and risky procedures of surgeries and things like that later because what they've done is either stopped or halted or delayed those processes from when from puberty happening in the first place right and so that that is that one of the reasons why that is seen as preferable is because the other more dramatic procedures are actually more risky And so a lot of people oh. don't think that there's any rational or medical basis for doing this when there actually may be. And because that part that I just conveyed to you is left out of the discourse. They never hear that it's part. Left out, no, it's not left out of the discourse. Yes, it is. They don't hear that it's there are not, any yes, good medically sound reasons for doing this. That they, is not, all they hear is that the evil, why do you think the that's evil blue-haired, pink-haired liberals are trying to translate. Why do you think that's, that's a what they medically hear. sound reason? You think that because they're they're uh preventing or staving off surgery that puberty blockers is a medical I didn't say sound it was a medically reason. sound reason. I said it may be one. Okay, maybe one. They you don't even hear that as the option because they're all they hear. All they hear. There are but there people are people on the right who have it. But there are people on the right who haven't though, right? They don't need to. Okay, but because it's not then, an option. Why would it how be are you then how are you wait then how are you defending the fact that they heard it if you're admitting that they didn't hear it? There are people that have heard it and there are people that probably haven't. I don't know the people right. that haven't. And the people that haven't heard it, right? They don't, they're deprived of the ability to take it into account. And you pretending like it doesn't matter. Or they weird don't want to because... take it into account. Okay, That's okay. But they That's have fine. to, though, if they're going to be Why? honest about the issue. What? Why do okay, they need so, to take it into account? So if they, because, if, if, because it's relevant to the from issue. a Christian perspective, because most of them are on the, on the right. But, they're coming from a Christian perspective. Just because they're Why Christian doesn't mean they have to. to they can talk. ignore basic facts of the issue, though. What? Like that? That? that that's it's not a basic issue. fact that 
puberty blockers may stave off surgery. Puberty. Okay, that's part of it. It's also a biological fact that puberty starts as early as ten in people. We, right? I, that's I don't and disagree. Puberty with that. is key to the development of a lot of secondary ca- sex characteristics that are an issue in terms that. of that's, people's that's body science. dysmorphia and body. Okay, that's so biology. all of that context forms the rational medical grounds for why some people think it's a good idea to start children who are trans on puberty blockers. That's that's part of the rationale. But you can't evaluate the merits or the lack thereof of that rationale if you don't know about it. These pe- There are a lot of people who have never heard that rationale who think that the evil, blue-haired, pink-haired, uber-radical liberals who don't have a God are trying to trans the kids, that they're guilty of child abuse. That's what they think because they haven't heard the nuance. And that's a problem because part of part of what I think Matt is doing that's what irresponsible that, is that, he's... What if that if I can finish one thought real quick... Part of why I think Matt is irresponsible is that what he's doing is perpetuating that ignorance by not covering it in his documentary. And the people who are most likely to watch his documentary are the people who are most likely to have that ignorance. Why is that? Why do you think that nuance is enough to for people to need to hear? Because they need to take it into account if they're going to sincerely and honestly evaluate all of the relevant facts involved. Part of, part of the dilemma here that is at issue about whether or not we should do this as a standard medical practice is the conditions of puberty and the outcomes of that development, if left unchanged, are going to necessitate even why more radical medical... Why would anyone want to support... Like, I'm, I'm, why would anyone want to support literally blocking your natural bodily processes? Like... And somebody, some people might think, oh, well, that you do that now. Women do that now with birth control. I'm against that too. So why would you want, like, why would you want You're to- against birth control? Yes. I don't, I, I, yes, okay. I am. Are, are why women, would you want- Are women why required would you, to, have, to have, to get pregnant if they want to have sex and not have kids? What? Are women, are women not allowed to have sex? They can have sex. Okay. But what if they want to have sex and not have kids? You said, can they have sex and not want to have? What kids? if they want to have sex and not have kids? Aren't there there are other forms of contraception? Okay, what, I'm not. Why, why are the other forms of contraception okay? Wait, 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 wait. I I never said that women can't take birth control. I said I don't agree that they should, and I don't take it myself. So that that I, I'm not saying that women shouldn't. But if you say you don't agree that they should, you're technically implying that they shouldn't because you disagree with the fact that they're doing it. You you disapprove of that. Yeah, I disagree that they're doing it, but I can't control. I don't police their bodies. I know you're not policing them, but you're but you're you're expressing disapproval of it if they choose to. Right. Yeah. And in that sense, you disagree with it in practice. Right. Yeah. Okay, so I think it's safe to say that you disagree with with the practice blockers like why? I just don't see any positive, none whatsoever, of having a child take them because you're trying to help stave off the possibility of having or avoiding surgery. Well, the, because the surgeries are more risky in terms of the threat to a person's and life. Puberty blockers the, aren't. Puberty blockers are. So puberty no, it's blockers. not that they're not risky at all. It's that they're less risky than the. Sur- Do you know how risky surgery is? Just. Do you know how risky puberty blockers are? I know how risky they can be. Yeah. 
particularly if you take them over extended periods of time. I'm not denying that. Me, I put them, I'm me, saying put, that they're less risky me, than having whole ass me, bottom surgery and top surgery, though. To me, they're the same. They're but very, they're not. very the risk, similar. The, risk, the risks are not me, the same medically. Me, they're very they're similar. They're very but, similar. So they're similar in that they both entail risks to a person, right? They're, that's, they're, they're similar. I'm not denying the similarity, but the risks are not the same, though. There are a lot more ways to go wrong having open surgeries than there are to have take puberty blockers. There are ways that that can go wrong. I'm not denying that. You're right about that. To steal man you, to steal man you, to steal man you. If you take puberty blockers for extended periods of time, right? You can you can get cancer. Like you're guaranteed to get cancer. Also, if you um cert, uh, uh, certain kinds of puberty blockers are actually um, highly correlated with osteoporosis. You're just. Um, are you trying to bolster my argument? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm steel manning you. So that's right, what steel right. man means. Yeah, I, I, I forgot you said that. Yeah. So those are those are so you're not wrong to point out risks, right? There are risks. But what I'm saying is by comparison to the risks associated with doing any kind of open surgery, there's so many ways that, that can go wrong that that's more risky. But you do understand that people I get what you're saying that puberty blockers are less risky than surgery. I understand that. But do you understand that there are there are probably a lot I can assume I feel like I'm safe it's safe to assume this that a lot of people think that puberty blockers are just as bad as surgery. But on what on what, on what rational or medical basis are they making that claim? Like there's a question of accuracy of that contention. I don't think that's an accurate contention if you understand the relevant. And I'm not an expert, by the way. I want to leave with that. I'm, I'm not trying to present myself as some kind of medical expert. I'm regurgitating things that I've read that that medical experts or people who have presented themselves as medical experts have said. So feel feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. I, I'm fallible in everything okay. that I'm saying. I, mean, right I now. haven't read. I haven't really read any of the but studies. My, but my layperson's. I'm leaning on my common sense and. Okay, God, fair enough. But my my layperson's understand. My layperson, non-medical expert understanding of this is that there are certain kinds of risks that are associated with, with surgeries that are way riskier, are way more likely to result in some kind of catastrophic negative consequence than, than going on puberty blockers for short spans of time. If you go on puberty blockers for several years, though, are that, they going that, that's when they maximize the risk. But hold on. Hold on. Because maybe, 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 maybe I, I don't understand this particular part fully. When it, when when a child is placed or given puberty blockers, are they not then? And maybe it changes from puberty blockers to like opposite sex hormones or something. But are they not relegated to taking the whatever they're taking for the rest of their life? Like if they want to, no, they take it as long as they want to delay the the effects of puberty. Um, so. They and and also, if you take it for extended periods of time, it's well documented that it's going. It's almost guaranteed to give you cancer. So so there's a there's limitations just with that. Sorry, this conversation is. I mean, the fact that we even have to argue. I mean, and I get it. It's just for the sake of the conversation, but it's it's just so telling of like where we are in society, like when it comes to this sort of thing, the fact that. People have to argue, and I'm not talking about us, just in general, the discourse is like whether or not kids should be taking puberty blockers because you and I, you and I, I, I want to, maybe I, I shouldn't assume, but I just feel like this should not even be a, 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 a discussion. 
Like we should not be putting children on puberty blockers. Why would you what, want? What if they're trans? Children? We shouldn't. There, I, I, oh, <laughs> I told you previously that I don't believe in trans. I don't think it's okay. Something what if they experience gender dysphoria at a young age? The solution is not puberty blockers. The okay, so solution. What is, what is the solution? Is some level of therapy that I'm not aware of. The solution is God. The solution is not, God. What if they're not yeah, religious? If, if well, you can get religious. There's always time. The solution is God. Yeah. I think you were better off with the psych psychological thing. That's fine. I mean, and this is why I don't what, bring. What, what kind of therapy do you think that? What kind of therapy would you recommend? Things like that, but what, I mean, what kind I, of therapy? I believe that. But what kind of what kind of therapy would you recommend for a person experiencing? I, I don't know. I'm not someone that I'm not in the mental health field. So like you don't think that someone, people in the mental health field have thought of that? Thought of what kind of therapy to offer a child that okay, back to our previous conversation. What therapy would you offer someone that has pedophilic thoughts? I don't know. I can look that up for you. Cause I I, I would assume it's in it's within the same vein of what you would offer a child that is going through uh, their trans thoughts. Yeah, but we, we went over this before. So a per being trans is not sexual orientation. It's not sexual proclivities. It's a matter of identity. So they're not, the, the therapies would be fundamentally different because the, 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 the relevant I, no, I, feelings I or inclinations involved in that. What I'm saying, what I'm offering is that they would just need a, a level of therapy that I'm not aware of. That's all. I'm not trying to compare and contrast the I'm just saying that they would need some level of their high level of therapy um, to help cope with that. I I don't know what how to deal with that. I would I I really would hope that I would never have to deal with something like that. I I sympathize with parents that have to deal with stuff like that because I know. Like, there's just some things you just know. I mean, some parents are just lost and foolish. But I think most parents wouldn't want to have to make that kind of decision to put their child on blockers. I don't think any, child, any parent wants to make that decision. That doesn't mean that it's a bad decision. Just saying. All right. So here, psychotherapy for minor attractive. Person, so I'm trying to get uh, this is a cursory Google search. Uh, I can do a better search if we feel we need to. If this is not satisfactory, minor attractive persons or maps frequently hesitate to seek psychotherapy for fear of rejection, stigma, harmful treatment techniques, or inappropriate reporting. Um, so, psychotherapy of some kind, it would be recommended, I assume. Therapists may be uncomfortable or uh, lack information about this population. This brochure has been developed collaboratively by therapists, maps, and allies through the organization Before You Act. Uh, to provide you with principles of ethical and effective treatment as well as further resources. There are very few studies on non-offending maps or therapy for them. Therefore, this document cannot be considered definitive. However, it is based on our experiences providing the receiving providing and receiving psychotherapy as well as research on populations facing similar mental health issues and emerging research on the needs of MAPS before you act also promotes research into this population. So we have a situation in which there's very little research on this. Um, to me, that signals that there's probably going to be a whole bunch of open questions that we're not going to be able to answer here because the research has not been done. Part of the reason why I think the research has not been done is because this is a very taboo subject 
in the field of psychology because mm-hmm. there is so much stigma surrounding what you call pedophiles and what they're calling maps. Part of what they're trying to do in making that delineation is destigmatize it so that it can create opportunity for them to do the medical and psychological research that they can base their psychotherapy on because what they ultimately want to do is have is do something that actually is effective. So it doesn't, I don't know that we're going to find the answers here, but that gave me at least some understanding of what we're dealing with. They so who are maps? They can't do their psychotherapy on people that they know have already acted on their pedophilia. They, well, you would yeah. have to have a population of volunteer vol, people who volunteer, right? Like you don't, you don't just do psychotherapy so, on random motherfuckers against their will. That's not okay. It's a terrible practice. I mean, I would assume if, maybe, am I wrong for assuming this? If you, you know, engaged in pedophilia and got caught, sir, and had to go to prison. I don't know why you wouldn't go to prison for life for that, but if you, you know, eventually got out, you you don't think that there's some organization that would try to get them to undergo some type of or they did they weren't receiving some type of therapy while they were in prison or get it afterwards you think they would decline that i don't think you can decline if the, if if it's a if it's a part of your sentence i don't think you can decline that okay so even let's say you you've served the entire sentence and you you're free and they uh-huh. still want you to con- I mean, they want you to continue the therapy. Even if you could decline, you would decline. Why would you risk them thinking that you would go back to engaging in those behaviors by declining the therapy? I feel like they have, what I, I'm I, saying I wasn't, is, I feel I wasn't like they that. have their population of people that they could do this, what, what you're, what you just read, they could do that on those people that they already know have exhibited those behaviors. Uh huh. Well, that's not going to help me. Um, sorry. I, I was having to listen cause I was reading, um, re- re- repeat your, your last question again. No, I was saying all they, if they needed, they said, you said that they need, to, I guess, you know, develop more, get, get, they need to get more information on how they can help uh, pedophiles. Yeah, more, more, yeah, more data on, on the effectiveness of certain um, uh, strategies of psychotherapy that they're going to provide for them. Why not tap the people that have, that they already know have engaged in the behavior? What do you mean tap? As a pedophile, why wouldn't you want help? What, do you, what, what the, do you mean? What do you what mean? So first of all, there's a taboo. I'm pretty sure there are databases. There's a taboo stigma issue. Is was one. I'm pretty sure there are databases of people that have been convicted of pedophilia. Correct. Okay, but or how would that serve? Even. But how would but how would that serve questions around what psychotherapy treatments are effective? Because. Going to prison is not one of the options for psychotherapy, right? I'm saying if if aren't aren't there pedophiles that go to prison and then they're released? 
I think so. Okay, so couldn't they if just they, use if they don't those... get murdered in prison? Yeah, if couldn't they just use those that that sample of people for their psychotherapy? But do you think that they go to prison and then they're cured? No, that's why they would go to okay. therapy. Yeah, but I don't know what percentage of convicted child molesters or pedophiles, if you want to use that terminology, have undergone any kind of psychotherapy or counseling as a part of their sentence, or maybe just it was offered to them and they took it, but they didn't have to. I don't know what percentage of that. Presumably that would be a population among which they can get some data, possibly, mm -hmm. but it doesn't sound like there's a wealth of that because if there were, then they would probably have more data. And so what they're trying to do is they're trying to create at an institutional level opportunity for them to get that data by destigmatizing the subject matter and then making it uh, possible or enabling or maximizing the possibility that people who are minor attracted persons will come forward so that they will volunteer for these kinds of things. But if they're going to be stigmatized as pedophiles like you insist they should, they're not likely to come forward and admit that, right? Correct. But I mean, again, if if what they're begging for is data, why can't they just use the ones that we that already know are pedophiles? Because what they want data on is what strategies of psychotherapy are going to be the most effective in minimizing their their likelihood to act on the urges and or and or if possible, get rid of the urges altogether. Well, why can't they do that on people that have already acted on the urges? do what the psychotherapy but if you're going to do experiments about psych in, in, in psychological research right you're going to have people, volunteer. people that have, I, I understand but like yeah. so if they're not going to volunteer then how can they conduct the but if, if you're looking for if but if you're looking for effectiveness you're, you're talking about these people as if they're not human beings by the way am i yeah like they're lab rats. In what way? I them like the lab rats. If you're looking for effectiveness, wouldn't you want your research to uh, consist of people, 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 not lab rats, people that have engaged in the behavior, which you probably have easier access to? I, I don't know that you would necessarily need to have people who've actually acted on it to. to, that, to but, okay. I, what I'm saying is because you're not going to get people that are going to run to psychotherapy these psycho these uh, organizations offering psychotherapy um mm -hmm. for something that no one knows that they think in their brain mm -hmm. why not use the people that already have exhibited and acted on these thoughts use to them? see what the effect effectiveness is yes use what them. they have to volunteer yeah. you know that, right? okay let them again i asked this before why would a pedophile deny help we already why, know you're because, a pedophile. Because why would well, you deny help? First of all, a lot of pedophiles, like, so a lot of people who have been convicted and are registered and uh, they move to different places away from the people who know, and the people are none the wiser unless they look it up. People don't just yeah, randomly but, look so, that shit up about Is there not a national them. database? Yeah, but people something? don't, first of all, most people don't even know how to access that database. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how to access exactly. The so but most I people feel, ain't I looking that like, up about random I motherfuckers like, that they just met. If why would I you? Feel, what would prompt you to look that up about a person? Like, I, like, like if your neighbor was a, if your neighbor you, was a pedophile and you didn't know, why would you look him up? 
here's what I'm going to say, right? If you are so inclined and so like you, you, you have this need to want to do this research and help these people, I feel like, I don't know who controls the database for pedophiles. I mean, again, this conversation is so disturbing, but I don't know who controls this database, but I'm assuming that the person that controls the database would have no issue if you are a, a an established organization that in its mission statement wants to help people like that. They would have no issue after going through the proper vetting and everything. I'm pretty sure they would have no issue in offering that database for you to look at so you can go and um contact these people to see if they would like to volunteer to receive this psychotherapy. Right. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know that they already don't do that. If that's what you're saying. Like, I, I, I feel like they, I feel like that if they, if they're not doing it, they definitely should start. Yeah. I, I don't think that's that a, I don't think that's an unreasonable suggestion. I guess what I was trying to say is they can't force anybody. So they would have to yeah, ask. Yeah, yeah. I, but, but then, but the, again, I, this is my third time asking the question. Why would you like knowing that this what this 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 the, the 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 level of stigmatization that this carries if someone brought the opportunity to you to help you you know lessen those um inclinations or those tendencies, why would you deny the help? There's all kinds of reasons why people wouldn't sign up for that kind of thing. Shame might be for one of that. The Yes, shame. Might be I get the, the I get the shame, but if you're if the goal is to like, you and, know, help I mean, you, help so you. there are people who get DUIs who don't go to Alcoholics Anonymous, even though it's offered to them. There are people who get busted for I, all kinds of I, drug offenses I, I who are strung I just, out on gut drugs I, you know, I, who don't I, seek I help. I completely understand you, right? But I I just feel like this this is no different from those things in terms of right, people's willingness. But, to, mm, to seek help you're right but i feel like i feel like there is a difference and they should absolutely accept the help that is offered to them i think that people i think that i think that there's no difference in, in there's no difference in saying that people should seek help there, actually there is a difference because the stigmatization of of being an alcoholic is nowhere near the stigmatization of being a pedophile <sighs> Okay. Nowhere near. It doesn't touch okay. it. It's more if mild, I'm but yet, if I'm but yet, alcoholic. I'd be like, okay, you're. A, yeah, you're it's a more mild. It is more mild. It's less taboo to be an alcoholic than it is to be a pedophile. Which it shouldn't be, but 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 it is. But yet, you still have people who get caught with in drunk DUI that kind of stuff who still don't seek help though. So yeah, there's shame associated with that and all the reasons, all of the, but all of the reasons why they don't, right, even though it's mildly stigmatized, are going to be maximized when you have something that's more stigmatized. It's not going to be less. It's going to be, it's going to be worse. You're going to have less people signing up for that. Jason, I'm only talking, I'm not talking about the people that have these thoughts and haven't acted on them. I'm talking about people that have had the thoughts, acted on them, served the time I out of too. prison. I am too. Talking about them too. What I'm Why saying wouldn't is, they want the more stigmatized, help. the less likely they're going to be. Able, they're going to accept help. It's worse for this because it's more taboo. Is what I'm saying. So they would run. So they just they would. You think they would rather run the risk of acting on those thoughts again? 
I don't think they think it that view it that way. I think they view it as I just want to go hide somewhere and and not be demonized for this anymore. And they take their chances. I, I don't think they're thinking very long term. And some of them may think I don't need the help because it's very hard to accept help even when you need it. There's a bunch of different psychological reasons why people don't seek help even when they need it. You know, like that's true. You know what I mean? So like, the, the, like we got to be realistic about and, and, about and, human and, beings. And not, you know, I recognize that. I'm just saying that if it were me no matter how much shame I was feeling about that particular thing, if I'm trying to rid myself of that shame, I recognize that to that the process starts with accepting the help. I know. I, I feel you in principle. I agree with you. I'm, I'm just, I don't know how realistic it is to expect yeah, I, I, the population I of convicted pet, uh, child molesters to sign up for this kind of help. <laughs> given the way people are treated in our society. Maybe there are pathways. Maybe there are some people like that. I mean, there are some stories of some people who, who were convicted or whatever who sought help. They're, they they do exist. There are some. I just don't know, like, what percentage of this population that we're talking about are doing that. And I think they that, I think that there's probably going to be some kind of volunteerism. They might, they might be able to require this of people who are convicted, but then I don't know how that will taint their studies. Because if you don't volunteer, right, like, is it, is it, if, the, if the psychotherapy doesn't work, is it because you weren't really invested in it or is it because the psychotherapy yeah. is problematic? And so yeah. you don't want that to be a variable, right? Yeah. Well, so that's, why it's, it, that's why it's um, important that it is voluntary and they, they accept it rather yeah. than it being forced upon them. But, um, yeah, to get to get back to the documentary proper, uh, and I, I want to ask you something that you've been avoiding. Um, Me so, avoiding? So there's a part towards the end uh, where Matt speaks to uh, somebody whose whose name is Doctor Grossman. Doctor Grossman is a woman, and Doctor Grossman is one of the first people that he interviews in the documentary who seems to take the side that he's aligned with. Uh, and Doctor Grossman, um, about 51 minutes into the film. Uh, asked about the origins of this of the gender ideology that kind of uh, is is presented as responsible for all of the kooky woke answers that he gets to the question of what is a woman uh and then dr grossman explains in no uncertain terms um that the there's, a, there's some kind of a seemingly reprehensible scientific origins of what's known as gender affirming care uh and she details she moves on to detail the history of alfred kinsey and john money do you remember that that part yeah what what were your uh, thoughts reactions uh uh to to that part of the film? Um that what did you say his name was Alfred uh Alfred Kinsey, Kinsey and John Money. And John Money are disgusting individuals and I cannot believe that gen this is what I mean, I, I don't understand how people I don't understand how people have taken what they've done and made it what it is today, knowing what they've done. I, I, mm. What have they done? So which one was it that um, 
had, oh my, oh my God. Which one was it that recorded the orgasms of children? That was Kinsey? Uh, uh, I want to say John Money, but don't quote me on that. I think John Money, Money was the sexologist, also known for I research on sexual Kinsey, identity and biology. Well, wh whichever one. I mean, recording the orgasms of my children. Oh, my God. Uh, having them have sex with what what did they say have sex with um i can't remember but i mean just just that in itself uh what was another one the i think money was the one that um facilitated you know a situation uh, several times where the brothers the twin brothers you know, did sexual acts on each other. I'm, I can't even talk about this stuff. Like I, I, I don't I actually know. forget which one was responsible for that. And I'm trying to find it. That right was, now, that was money. It was John money. Okay. That was John money. Um, and obviously, you know, I mean, I think you can very well assume that that's what led to both of those, you know, both of the, the, the twins, um, dying, right one mm -hmm. overdosed and one committed suicide mm -hmm. um i don't know how you can hear stuff like that from the the from these from the creators of this ideology and follow this ideology and think that it, it is it is beneficial or in any way affirming to children i, I I, I really cannot wrap my mind ar around that. I, I really cannot. And I don't care. You, you, you know, you brought up, you bring up nuances a lot and I'm, and what I'm saying is I don't care how much, I think a lot of people don't care about the nuances because if something started evil, there's no, there's nothing that comes from it that will be good nothing and it, it it really and a lot of people and it, it it's scary because i mean i knew i knew a little bit of of these um situations before the documentary um i guess not enough since i can't remember who did what but um it it's it's interesting that a lot of this especially what they're trying to put in you know, uh, SEL, social emotional learning, a lot of this stems from these two men, what they're teaching in colleges, and, and, you know, when it comes to gender studies and women's studies and whatever other studies, it, this is all stemming from these men. And who's to say that the, it stops at these two men? There are probably other people that also had nefarious agendas, um, you know, that are associated with this, these, this ideology. I just don't see how you can hear something like that and defend it and perpetuate it and put it in, in curriculum and, you know, try to frame it in such a way that it's supposed to be positive. Like, I, I, I just don't, like, what is, there's, it is absolutely, it is very easy to leave kids alone. 
it's so easy to like let kids be the innocent little creatures that they are. It's so easy to do that. And the fact that you, people are not seeing how any of this it violates children to the highest power. I don't I don't understand it. I, I really don't. So hearing that, I mean, it, it was triggering. I don't know how it wouldn't trigger anybody. Um, and do you, knowing think that, do you think that these men were presented in the fairest way possible? Maybe they weren't, but, and, and. <laughs> and this was what, this is part of what I think is problematic is it undermines the credibility when we, we pointed out the other stuff that he did. It undermines God, the credibility Jason, of this I part. hate you. I hate you so much. So we got to be very careful about accepting <laughs> all of the indictments of these individuals as presented. That's, it doesn't mean that there's fair. no validity to, to criticizing them, but like, because the bias is so pronounced, it's like, well, do these men are these men as bad as they're being presented or is it being exaggerated in some sense? And I actually genuinely have a question about that. Now, I've been reading from a lot of other sources about these dudes and uh -huh. they seem like they lost the fucking plot, but I'm not in a position to evaluate it properly, mostly because I'm a lay person. I don't have the relevant uh, psychological expertise. Um, I don't have the relevant background in sexology or, or just like matters of sexuality and human beings. Um, and uh, I got to be honest, I have a whole bunch of preconceived no notions about what is and isn't acceptable uh, sexual behavior that these two individuals have violated. On what planet is, uh, is seeing how kids orgasm? Like, how is that? Like, you're preaching to the choir. My only point is I clearly have a bias against these individuals and I, and I understand that, that needs to be checked. And until it's properly checked or accounted for, I can't take my natural inclinations towards certain views as seriously as I want to. So, so I, 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 I understand the problematic nature of what you're talking about. I affirm it. I'm not going to be willfully dense about that. I think it is problematic. It's definitely controversial at least. But like, it's hard for me to draw hard, like staunch conclusions. Like it seems like you want to because of the things I'm pointing out right now. There's like, there's a lot I don't know. And I want to make sure that I'm able to take it into account before I make that conclusion. Okay. Well, okay. At okay. this point, at this point, all I can say is I lean towards what you're saying. Because that's, the things I'm fine. reading about these dudes are disturbing, genuinely disturbing. And that's fine. And the, the thing is, I'm 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 glad actually that you've actually gone further on to read other things about them because I haven't. Me hearing that about them, I, I I mean, you know how there's some things that like it's to me it's like porn. Like it's one of those things is like porn. What is that? I don't know what that is. <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like never heard of it technically not okay for you know people to be at least it's not like people don't brag about like watching porn i mean some people do but you know in my circles they don't and you know i think that's a good thing yeah they so just, it's, they're just it's, watching it's, it it's akin to <laughs> what'd you say nothing <laughs> no for me it's akin to that like i don't want to read more once i once i heard that i like i don't i'm not inclined to want to know more about you as a person if that is what if that's even it, I, and and unfortunately it is the way i was introduced to them right these horrible things is how is what i associate them with now and even if they did anything good i think that what the bad thing they they the bad things that they've done completely negates all the good for for and and you know people People like to uh, do the same thing with, um, what's his name? Martin Luther King Jr., right? Like, oh, well, 
Well, actually, they protect him. They, you know, everybody know. Well, I don't know if everyone knows him to be, you know, a lying, cheating. Some people said he was on the down low, whatever. But they, they're like, oh well. But his private life shouldn't overshadow what he did for the world, right? But I think in some situations, namely King Alfred Kingsley and John Money, that I think this alone should completely that they're not I'm not saying that there's I I'm I am of the I I don't agree with conservatives where um their content should be banned right because I do think it's 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 important for us to know this kind of information mm-hmm. right so that we know what you know, uh, we don't want our children to be reading or consuming, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it is important for us to know what, you know, what these people wrote and what they studied, no matter how horrible it, it is. Obviously, it, it should be, you know, consumed by people that are of the appropriate age. But, like, I don't think that they're stuff should be banned but i also don't think that there's like you should base everything like the, all this gender stuff like i mean man i i don't know how do you defend that <laughs> I, wonder I don't how, know man and i've never know. heard of, and it's funny because i've never heard i've never heard a leftist and i don't listen to a lot of them but i've never heard a leftist or or someone that um 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 you know spreads the gospel of gender ideology I've never heard them once, you know, talk about Kingsley or money. Never. Of, I wonder. Why I, would wonder I wonder why. I wonder why. Because <laughs> that whole, your whole shit will fall apart. Everything. No one would want to listen to you after hearing that. I think that should be this. And 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 even though Matt Walsh, I I, I definitely think he had good intentions with this documentary. Yes, I think he dropped the ball when it came to certain things and in us learning more information about what, how the left thinks and what, you know, how they view things when it comes to it. But I definitely 100% think that just because of that one little part where the the, the good the good clean doctor it, it you know goes into the the in, into talking about Keynesian and money, people everybody should be again of the appropriate age should be aware of what these men have done and how this whole ideology, this religion is based on them. They are the father. Is it possible for uh, deeply disturbed, troubled scientists to do good science? What is good? Like what are you trying to say that that was good? Well, I know you're not, but I'm asking you. Is to it, consider you said, is it is it possible, possible for deeply troubled scientists deeply to do troubled, good science? Their sexual deviance and all of the things that you just described them as. Is it possible for them, nonetheless, to do groundbreaking science that is legitimate science? Yes, but you want to know the cool thing about science and scientists? Mm-hmm. There are so many other people doing what good good science right like right. there there are other scientists if they if like let's say Keynesian and money did do good science right i'm pretty sure there's other people that you can reference that did that same good science that followed in their footsteps and replicated to, their research bother, yeah what you a, don't need to bother with Keynesian or money 
Fair enough. So Kinsey and Money are the fathers of a certain kind of uh, medical psychological paradigm as it relates to sex, sexuality, and uh, sexual, and, excuse me, gender identity. And so let's take for granted, just for sake of argument, that they're deeply disturbed individuals who, whose personal lives were fucked up. And, mm -hmm. and, and we should indict them for all of the usual reasons that we do that. There's still an open question about whether or not the scientific basis of their scientific claims is well-founded as it relates to the way the gender works and the way the human sexuality works. And it might be true that they actually had some very valid scientific points that they made or data that has been expounded upon. And I think that this is actually precisely the contention of a lot of people left of center who are citing their work is like their science is still legit, even though they are fucked up. And one of the reasons why the people don't mention them is because what they care about is their scientific findings science, and data, yeah. not their personal lives. And if that's true, then that's one way to steal man the other side. It's like, well, now you got to evaluate the merits of what they actually are, what the science yeah. is. Yeah. Right? Well, and no, so, I feel like I, I take my response back. When you ask me if a, a bad science scientists can do good science now now I, I don't know if i have a definitive yes anymore yeah i would say that it's possible it doesn't mean that their science is good science by the way good science good scientists can do bad science too yeah the deviance deviance is that a word yeah their their deviance could have inspired I mean, what is good science? Like, I feel like good science is subjective, right? So, no, we have we have certain standards. So, I mean, like, yeah, for example, you have to have you have to have right, okay. But when it pertains to gender identity and ideology, is that good science? Well, if you're doing science yeah, with respect to if you're doing science with respect to those concepts and you define them scientifically, presumably you could do good science with respect to those things. Because, in, I mean, in my opinion that that science has led to you know all the mutilation me medicalization and manipulation but is it sound though in other words if it were if it were in some sense corrupt in the way that you said you you think it is then you should be able to have scientific grounds to disagree with it if it's sound though and you try to disagree with it on scientific grounds then presumably you'd lose and so that to me that's another independent argument for well you need to evaluate the, the merit the scientific merits of the claims and the research that's been that what that these, these these two people are kind of the, the the fathers or the founders of right and if you can criticize this gender ideology on those grounds i think that that would be a more legitimate basis if you're just going to attack the origin the originators of the of the of the domain of science in question and attack their personal lives that doesn't really say much about the merits of their claims any more so than attacking well, Martin Luther well, King Jr. On, on, for, being a, for being for being for being for being either gay or for apparently uh, allegedly plagiarizing or allegedly cheating on his wife have hold any on. bearing on the merits of the claims that he was making for civil rights. But you're I, I feel like you're forgetting one very important thing. John Money and Alfred Kingsley weren't these weren't personal decisions they were making. This was they they did this in the name of science. These were professional. These experiments like, like weren't the experiment, personal. Yeah, the controversial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I they were you, professional I, I, yeah. decisions that they made as scientists, not as men. Right? They they made the decisions as scientists. 
So to me, the whole shit is tainted. Well, like you can criticize, I think, fairly the the medical ethics of the experiment. Why would you need? Uh, I but, really don't even uh, want to ask, ask that question again. Why would you need to see how children orgasm? What? What? I don't. I don't. I would have to see it in the context of the study, but I don't know. I have no. I, I have that no that makes no. I, I don't know. <laughs> oh my god! That, if if the if the I, scientific question before it was whether or not it was possible for. Know that? Well, I don't know if the if there was some kind of scientific relevance to the question of whether or not um, children at whatever age these children were had the ability to do so. Maybe. Still, why do maybe we need to know scientific that? Scientific Um. Well, I don't know. Maybe if there's some kind of damage to, to the if you have if the there's kind of if there's some kind of children. If there's come no, that that doesn't. That's not the only reason why we might be interested into this question. It's medically. the main. No, well, that may not have anything to do with what we might okay, mention well, that question medically. So, for example, well, if you wanted to have if you wanted to have some kind of information about about what the um, what the functions of the sexual organs of children were at that age, and we didn't have any information on that, that might it might help. Why would that. you want to know? Why, I think it's a very controversial experiment, though. But what? Yeah, I think what, what would be I, the purpose of knowing? So that? the short answer is I don't know because I'm not an expert. But my point is, it there could be a reason other than you wanting to have sex with kids. That's that's fair. That's fair. But I, I, you and I both cannot come up, and you know, it's just to. We're not experts, us. though. Yeah, we're not experts, but but as lay people with common sense, why would you need to know that information? Like, there's no basis there's no reason there's nothing uh, for why you need to know that that would be so to be fair to the question you would have to you would have to well you would have to know more about the experiment what the hypothesis was what they were trying to find if you knew that it would help answer the question and then you could evaluate whether or not it was something of any scientific merit or warrant whatsoever that would be a better way to do it than just saying us as lay people who have no expertise in the matter why would we do it like i i don't know that seems weird. That seems like a very strange, deviant it is, thing. It is. It is. There's no. There's no basis. None. But that. that but that doesn't follow, though. That's. What, that's the problem. So we got to be more careful with our thinking. If otherwise, we're gonna not, fall not prey. We're gonna thing. fall prey to what I think is part of what makes Matt Walsh's documentary biased, which is he's he's actually and, fundamentally and, 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 depending on the layperson who lacks the relevant expertise and who doesn't have any clue why a person would do these things. To, the intent to, is to, to be biased to presume because the look is biased the, the, very, the, the very to draw the same fallacious conclusion you're drawing right now, right? And so fallacious? we got to be more careful than that. Yes, it's fallacious. You don't know anything about the subject matter that you're talking about, and, and you're no evaluating needs, it in ignorance. No, no one needs to know. <laughs> no How one would you know that unless you knew the relevant information? You don't know. That's the no problem. one needs that information. You're saying Jason, that in ignorance. You're Jason, saying that in ignorance. Jason, you're saying that in ignorance, though. How many times did I call you? You're saying that in ignorance. I need you to acknowledge that's an African thing, by the way. Do America do people do Americans do that? I don't know, but you're saying (laughs) that in ignorance, though. You don't know how relevant. I honestly don't care. Like I don't care. Clearly, you don't care. But like that's not a legitimate reason to disregard that relevant information. That information is still relevant. Relevant. (laughs) Yeah. If you don't know, if you don't know the basis of the experiment at all, you have no context for it, I, and all you're all you're focusing what? in on you know is what? that kids were, you know were induced orgasms were induced in kids, and that and that therefore makes a person, I guess, a pedophile. If that's all you need. Then I guess draw the conclusions you want from that. But like I'm, you have no you have no further context at all. Like 
I, there, I don't see why you would need that information. But To be able to properly evaluate the merits of the lack thereof or the ethics of the lack thereof, that's, that's why. You, you, you don't want to be willfully ignorant about that kind of stuff because you feel strongly about it. That's, that's a trap. <laughs> you might draw false conclusions based on your feelings. And I share a lot of the same instincts that you do. I'm just Hold on, wait. So you need to you need to do those type of experiments to form a code of ethics. No, that's not what I said. What did you say? I said that you would need to know all of those nuances and details, the questions that I'm asking, in order to properly evaluate the ethics of the experiment or the lack thereof. What or ethics the merits are of the questions that are like germane that. to the experiment of the lack thereof? What ethics are being followed in an experiment like that? So your ability to be able to evaluate whether or not there was an ethical violation medically in an experiment like that hinge on the kinds of questions that I'm asking that you say are not important. You're presuming that it was unethical because it involves inducing orgasms in kids and that's taboo right yes okay so you're not in a position to properly evaluate the ethics of the lack thereof of that experiment i agree with you that it sounds fucked up and i'm not cool with shit like that but as a layperson but i'm also careful enough to admit that i don't have the relevant expertise in that domain or that area of medical science to, to be able to properly believe, evaluate whether or not there was some line that was crossed. It seems like there was a line think, that was crossed, but I don't know for sure because there's some things that, that I don't know. Do you think that we need every question answered? I, I don't know what that means. What, every, what do you mean every question? Do you believe that there, I mean, do you believe that we need every question answered? I'm pretty sure in their head, they, they, they thought of this question <laughs> and they thought that conducting this experiment would lead to whatever answer they were looking for. So do you believe that every, every question that we think of needs to be answered? Do you think that there, probably, is, there should be some not. level of ignorance when it comes to certain things? So I, I wouldn't say that certain scientific experiments should not be conducted or certain scientific questions should not be answered because ignorance is good in some way. I would argue that there are ethical or moral lines that we should draw in terms of what is, what are the kinds of scientific experiments we will allow oh, yes. versus what kinds of scientific experiments we wouldn't. I mean, who is even thinking of? So, okay. you, so, that, so, that answers my what, question. what, what, what might be the case in this instance is that some kind of ethical, scientific ethical line was crossed. What I'm saying is you're not in the best position to actually evaluate that properly because you don't know a lot of relevant details. That's what I'm saying. Your moral assessment is going to be potentially off because of the holes in your understanding. Same with me. I understand your instincts, though, because I share them. But what the only real difference between you and I is that you're willing to leap to that conclusion and I'm not willing to leap to that conclusion. I think that I need more information even though I feel very strongly I mean, that I want more that information experiment too, such as I, I, such as I understand it and such as, as it has been like described that. seems disgusting. Okay. But that's really the only difference between us right now. Um, and you're, you're talking to me like I'm trying to- Is it to exhausting being this fair to both sides? Sometimes, yeah. Mm -hmm. You have to overcome a lot of 
the instincts that I just said that we share, you have to overcome that. It's hard sometimes. So, yeah. Sometimes I lose my patience and sometimes I have my moments where I'm not as fair as I could be. It's extremely exhausting. It's a lot of work. You got to do a lot of research on both sides too. It's yeah, I don't, I don't care to do that when it comes to certain things, but I mean, it's, I, I appreciate that there, that people like you exist. Milton. So that we can do the work for you. Yeah. <laughs> Yep, because I'm not going to do it. That's lazy. I'll do it with some things, but not this. I don't see the point. Like, because whatever I read is not going to change anything for me. It's just not. And there are a lot of people like that. Someone call that dogmatism. I I told you how I felt about dogma. Before. No, you didn't. What did you say? I said I, I welcome it. <laughs> I'm not a free thinker. Spoken like a true Christian fundamentalist. Are you? Are you? Do you consider yourself a Christian fundamentalist? I don't know. I don't. I don't know enough. Okay. I'm still learning a lot. So I'll no, I'll leave it alone. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm ready to wrap it up. Are you? No, but we can. You want to keep going? I mean, I don't have. I don't. I like the conversation. I did. This is very. I'm trying to respect your time, but I got. I got more questions. What you want to do? You can ask one more question. All right. How did you feel about the scene where he went to the women's march? I thought he was being petty. You thought he was being petty? You don't think there was a point being underscored there? Oh, yeah. I mean, there was, but it was a petty point. Like, I mean, he knew the answers, the responses he was going to get from those kinds of women. He, what kind he of women knew, are those? But he, he wanted to make sure that what, that was kind of, what kind a of women point that those? was being made in the film. What kind of women are those? Feminists. What do you have against feminists? Here's the thing. I and I had to ask myself because I, I I'm I want to do like a post on it at um in the future. And and I had I had to think about like whether feminism that's how I like to view things now sometimes, like is something a net negative or positive? And I still I'm still struggling with whether or not feminism is helping more than it's hurting or vice versa. Um, with feminists in particular, I don't have a problem with all feminists because there are some well-reasoned ones um, and ones that are not as extreme. I mean, you know, we spoke about this before, there are extremes in every group. Um, I still generally don't, agree with the movement even when I do respect some that are involved in it but I just don't like where things have headed and are going I don't like that there's this idea that women don't need men because I think women do need men and I think that men need women and there's nothing wrong with saying that like I personally don't like in a sense, I think, I do think that women are weaker when it comes to certain things, but I think that men are weaker when it comes to things that we're good at. Like, I mean, I don't need to state the obvious when it, when it, when it comes to that. What so are the things that women are good at for my, for, those, that, for those chauvinists, <laughs> for those chauvinists in my audience who don't know. Cooking, you cleaning. You just said that men were the best chefs. You just said that men were the best chefs. I was, though. Look, I was trying to be, you know. 
You contradicted um, yourself, is what you did. No, I didn't. That was on. Yeah, purpose. you did. I didn't. That was. I was joking. Okay, well, give me. I'm. I'm seriously asking though. What are things yeah, that women I, are better okay, at? Okay, so obviously, I mean, the obvious thing, the the one thing you guys can't do, childbirth. What do you mean? Some men can. I mean, technically, birth. we're. I mean, that's not an answer. According, according to the woke, okay. some men can give birth. Anyway, some, um, some men count as people with the capacity for pregnancy. <laughs> What are women better than PC, PCPs as I like to call them? <laughs> I think okay, let me give let me give. I think that because women You're not gonna ignore that. That was funny. I didn't what'd you say? I said some men count as people with the capacity for pregnancy or PCPs as I call them. <laughs> you done? What? Why are you not amused right now? You're ruining the, the flow of the show. Don't 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 pull a Matt Walsh on me and look at me like that. This is my podcast. It's not funny. Anyway. It was hilarious. Um, Wait, first of all, do you even know what that reference is? Remember yeah. that black woman I, I, that was yep, that testified yep. in Congress? From Columbia Law. Yep. Senator yep. Holly. Yep, yep, yep. I, I posted about that. Stupid okay, so people. why are you acting like that wasn't funny? That was hilarious. It wasn't. I, you have I a, didn't you, find you have it funny. Obligation to laugh. You didn't even <laughs> hear me the first time. <laughs> No, I don't want your fake laugh. <laughs> okay, anyway. Um, that was probably the laugh she gave after she left the courtroom. Because she's evil. It was like, no, wasn't it the Chamber of Congress or something? Whatever, wherever they were. It looked like a courtroom. I don't know. Anyway, um, what was I saying? I think women are better. <laughs> I think women. are better at like you know what maybe not see i can't believe you you're a woman you're supposed to be representing for the women why am i, I going would, harder in the pain for I, women I than you say, are i would say our emotional nature i think helps sometimes um men that are you know Try to be as logical as possible. You think men are logical? Well, there's the, I think, I think, I think that the ideal masculine man is more logical than emotional. Why isn't the ideal woman more logical than emotional? Because I think that women are more emotional. Most women are more emotional than they are logical. Ideally? Even me, like, and and me, even me, like I feel like I'm a logical person, but I know I could get emotional. Like there, like even throughout this conversation, I've gotten emotional. Which and it, that's what proves my point because I think that I'm more logical than most women, and I still get emotional about certain things. I get Which emotional is, about certain things too. Does that mean I'm not a man or I'm not manly or I'm not? I mean, you, 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 I've told you, you give like simp vibes. Simp vibes. I know you didn't <laughs> just come on my show and call me a simp twice. I know you didn't just do that shit. <laughs> the fuck you mean, well, simp because, vibes? Well, what the hell the does thing. that mean? Think, now explain that, yourself, goddammit. No, what the I'm hell not, you mean, simp I'm vibes? Not. Listen, I, 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 and this is just me and 
my th- this is my opinion, Jason. You can't take don't take it to heart. <laughs> like I feel like men should should have should be a little more firm and have conviction when it comes to certain things. So the fence sitting to conviction. me, I, the fence. You are misunderstanding me, me so much. I do have conviction. No, I, I know you have even, conviction. Even though, even though I, even though I do, I'm in, I'm in the middle. But I'm not in the middle because I'm afraid or incapable of taking positions. I'm in the middle because what I'm trying to do is be very, very careful about dogmatism, which I'm actually very averse to. So I spend a lot of time evaluating both sides of most issues. And while I'm doing that, I'm usually in the middle, like not taking a position because I'm undecided at that time. But after a while, I start becoming more- Can you more... tell me something that you 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 are 100% on the side of? Yeah, I, I, am, I am strictly nonviolence when it comes to protests. There's no excuse under any circumstances for violent protests, period. Can you give me another one? Um, I think that um, guns should be just as regulated as cars. A lot of people right of center do not like me for that position. And I'm all about gun reform. Um, the idea that anybody can have any type of gun at any age ever is stupid. In virtue of the Second Amendment is stupid. Anybody who thinks that is not thinking it through. If you think that it's cool for seven-year-olds to walk around with Uzis, you're, you're dumb. That's dumb. There needs to be some kind of reasonable restrictions on who has access to guns. And insofar as that's true, gun laws that are cleverly devised in a way that are they're heavily regulated and prevent people from getting them who have mental disorders or who are particularly prone to violence demonstrate have a demonstrated history of that are good laws i don't disagree so i'm very staunch on that so um i think that climate change is real i think anybody trying to deny that 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 human being yeah, even him a guy mad as hell when I told him that shit. I mean, Anybody who denies anthropogenic climate, uh, the, the idea that human beings have the ability to change the climate in dramatic ways is, is not being scientific at all. All the scientific evidence points to that. I'm very, very staunch on that. Hold on. So he disagreed that climate change is real? Ibrahima was so all over the place. I don't even know what he thinks. Part of what I think, I think he thinks it's real. I just don't think it's part of what I think he thinks think is that it's mostly made up, or that it, part of he he said he said some things that suggest he thinks it's exaggerated. He said something to the effect of the climate changes, but we have no way of knowing whether human beings can cause it, which is just ridiculous. Like, yes, we do know that human beings can cause it because we know that human beings have admitted ridiculous yeah, I, I amounts think, of co2 yeah, into yeah. the atmosphere and we know what impact that has on the climate yeah I, yeah and, and i i agree i actually agree with that but i i just i'm I, I think that yeah because i mean back back in the day none of this existed like we weren't there, there were no cars to emit all the fuel and there weren't you know there wasn't wi-fi and all the all the stuff that we have invented right so i agree to that extent but then i also think that the earth is so com- is is this complex thing that can also heal itself like i don't think god would make some again god i don't think he would make something that can't heal from whatever is trying to destroy did it, it. Ever, did it ever occur to you that the, the kind of bias that you have in favor of men being i guess more capable of like leadership roles and things like that stems from the fact that you think of god as a he 
It, may, it probably has occurred to me. Why can't God be a she? Why can't the person being responsible for vast amounts of creation be a she? In fact, in certain religious traditions, that's precisely why their deities are female, because females are associated with creation and creating the creation of life in particular. I've never thought of God being a she. Why not? Who told you God wasn't a she? No one has ever told me God wasn't a she. I just... How do you know? I don't. But it's nice for me to assign God with a gender. <laughs> did, it, did it ever occur to you that your conception of gender is shaped by your religious presuppositions? Haven't I been saying that? Isn't that a problem? No. What if your religion's wrong? I, I'll die with it being wrong. Yeah, but what about all the trans people who negatively were impacted by your dogmatic religious I'm, conception I'm of gender? How do you know that? I know I'm not. How? I'm not. But how do you know? Because, because two penises cannot create a child. You need one penis and one vagina. Right. Oh my God. Uh, actually, so that that combination of uh, of the relevant parts of the anatomy that you just named um, can also uh, fail to produce children. Happened a lot. I remember saying that when I defined what a woman was. That's why I really I made sure to include that point. So I don't. I, I'm no, you, sorry. The point I just made is that just because you have a penis and a vagina that get together in the usual ways, it's not going to necessarily produce. It's not children. procreate. I, I, not I understand. Necessarily. I understand, but that that's the intent. That's their function, whether they, they work or not. So part of the function is to just have pleasure. Yeah, I understand that too. Okay, so why is the function to procreate every time someone has sex as opposed to just have pleasure or bond or express one's affinity for the other person? I didn't say any of that. Both of you them said, are functions. Oh, so there's multiple but, functions? But in, my, this... but in my mind, first and foremost, sex is for procreation. Why? Why is that the, why is that the primary? Why does that why are all other functions of one sex of the use of one's sexual organs def, uh, uh, subordinate to that one? Because sex isn't always pleasurable. Sex is, sex is mostly pleasurable. <laughs> That's why people do it so much. Part of why. Um, okay. In fact, there are entire industries that have been erected, no pun intended, because of how pleasurable sex and sexual activities are to people. You, you couldn't, I mean, have, the, you couldn't have the porn industry it's if sex fine, wasn't though. as pleasurable as it was to people. No, I mean that uh, sex is so pleasurable I, that people honestly, derive honestly, sex probably, is so pleasurable that people derive sexual gratification from watching other people do it. That's how pleasurable sex is. Okay. Not not denying any of that. I mean, I don't I mean, I think it is because of my religious, you know, yeah. why <sighs> you know, procreation first and foremost when it comes to that. I mean, I don't see I don't I don't view that as like a wrong thing. I think pleasure is great too. Like it's good. Procreation is good too. There's nothing wrong with me putting procreation first, though. No, I don't think. Just like there's nothing wrong with someone wanting to put pleasure first. I don't disagree well, with that. I think you do though. 
No, I mean, if somebody if somebody put pleasure I mean, ahead of the responsibilities that come with pregnancies and bearing children, I don't know, especially for, if you're especially this, if you're against abortion, I think that you probably. Where do you stand on abortion, by the way? I'm against. Okay, so I think that on some level you would probably fall into, and this is typical. But you know what? Abortion. There is a new. There is one bit of nuance. Like I, even though I'm against abortion. What was I going to say? Um, no, nah, I don't want to say it. Never mind. Okay, don't get me canceled. I'm not going to say it. Okay. You better not say it. In fact, you're not allowed to say it. I I, I just I, think I, people shouldn't have sex until they're, <laughs> unless they're ready to have kids. But you wasn't going to say it. No, that wasn't what I was going to say. Oh, okay. I said that I think people should not have sex unless they're ready to have kids. What if they're not ready to have kids but they really want to have sex? And they take the proper safety precautions. Then you can abstain. What do you mean? You can't abstain from sex and have sex. You, you can't get the physical pleasure of having sex without having sex. Wait, what was your question? What if they want? What if they really, really want to have sex but they're not ready to have children? And they can take the necessary safety precautions. I mean, biblically, like, no, but I mean, <laughs> if secular, secularly. All right. I'm not going to ask you the personal question I was going to ask you, but I will ask you this. On a scale of one to 10, 10 being the best documentary you've ever seen and one being the worst. I don't watch a lot of documentaries. What is what is a woman to you? I don't know if it's a fair question. I don't I don't watch a lot of documentaries. I actually don't like documentaries. Okay, but on a scale of one to ten, ten being the best documentary ever. Oh, if I would have just rated it on its own. Yeah. With bias, I would give it an eight point five. Okay. Without, um, my, without my bias, I would give it a six. Okay. What are some key takeaways that you got from the film? Um, I think I think the documentary was actually the first time where I found out that um, how they make bottoms for girls. I don't think I knew that before. That they take part of the this the what do you call this area the arm the skin from the arm to make the um, the penis for them. I actually saw a picture. It's, it's disgusting looking. Um. So that was a big, big. Eh. That was something that I never I didn't know before that I came away with. Um, you know, to my point before, I think I, I I want parents to be more aware of, or to be aware of, if they're not about um, those two um, pseudoscientists, uh, Alfred Kinsey and John Money, um, only because I wouldn't want I don't wouldn't care if they didn't know about them, um but I want them to know about them because 
this is what they're putting in curricula, like uh, in um, social, they're adding it onto social emotional learning under the guise of social emotional learning anyway. And obviously they're offering a kid friendly version. Um, but I think parents need to be aware that these were the fathers of gender identity and ideology and you know, if I feel like if they knew what parent those those men did, they would be more inclined to speak up and ask their schools or demand that, you know, some transparency when it comes to the kind of curriculum that they're introducing to their kids. Do you still think that men are more competent than women generally in like leadership positions, given that these two men have radically yes. altered the way we think of gender and again sexuality. a few bad apples don't spoil the basket for so you me. will not relinquish your conviction that no, men are I, more. I mean there are really good men out there so i there are really great women too yeah they're they're i'm a great woman so i just i mean but why do you assume that, that men are better mean, than women i can't get over that you you won't let it why do you keep assuming that men are more competent than women in leadership positions in particular you keep asking me this question and i keep telling you this i'll keep i have a biblical understanding of of it like the bible explicitly states that the man is the head the man is the leader if i told you men wrote the bible that's fine it's like the biggest con i've ever but the the thing is that the bible i think even okay even if biased men wrote the bible human nature still makes it pretty clear that men should be at the helm what if I told you Alfred Kinsey and John Money wrote the Bible? Would you believe it then? <laughs> I'm that is such an ugly question to ask. It's a clever question. Super clever. They, they can't write. They're not old enough to have written the Bible. So I know. But I'm saying hypothetically, if they had, if they were the authors of the Bible, would you trust it as much? No. Why not? They're men, and men are very capable, according to you. If I knew what I knew about what the the, the, the experimentations they did, no. Damn. I see where you're getting to. Well, ignorance is bliss. <laughs> I don't want to know. Like, right. I, I think there's a lot that I, I actually genuinely, and I'm not trying to insult you. I genuinely think that you are ignorant about the origins of that Bible that you put a lot of uh, authoritativeness in. Oh my gosh. In. I'll leave it at that. Right, we can do it another day. But I why, are you into not, it. why aren't you Christian anymore? Partly because of that, what I just went over, which is I know the origins of the Bible. What made you uh, curious about the of, origins of the Bible? I'm a philosophy major. I was curious well, about everything. I mean, why am I even asking that? I forgot. Yeah, that most philosophy majors are atheists. I'm not saying you are, but well, maybe now. But there are a lot of philosophy majors who are, you know, believers in various different religions too. Yeah, they don't believe in God though. No, that's not well, maybe nowadays, but throughout history, there have been major philosophers who were religious as hell. Yeah, so what 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 changed? It's as far as me or as far as those like the trend of philosophers. The trend of philosophy. Oh, there are still a bunch of philosophers. Because I feel like a lot of there's still a bunch of philosophers who are religious, by the way. They they still exist. I don't I know that they're like, that popular in America though, but when I exist. when I read when because most philosophers are like that they're part of like the stoicism thing, right? That's, no? that's one tradition. Um, no, there's a okay, bunch I'm of different traditions. The two. Never mind. Never mind. Sto stoicism is a like 
family of philosophical well stoicism is kind of like a major philosophy in a certain time period uh, that was popular in certain regions of the world for sure but there's a bunch of different <laughs> there's a bunch of different philosophies like that okay then um, never mind because i was gonna say that when i read certain things from like when i read those stoic quotes they're very reminiscent of like bible biblical scripture so yeah the platonists um they, they there was a version of platonism that was very in alignment with christianity um and then in the medieval period you had a lot of christian philosophers for sure um let's see one of the biggest ones was um would, sorry would you judge me are you judging me because of my willful ignorance no what do you mean judging you like does that change anything your view of me because I'm willfully ignorant. Because I am. I'm, I'm willfully ignorant. I, I I just, to me, there are things, and my sister acts, we talk about this sometimes from time to time, because she's not as Christian. She doesn't identify as a Christian yet. I don't she think willfully ignorant God. is the best way to describe you. you said well, what? No, I, don't, I don't think willfully ignorant is the best way to describe you. Oh, no, of course not. But I'm just saying as an aspect, like, Knowing I think you're you, I think you're a bit dogmatic in your Christian beliefs, but yeah. I, not not as as dogmatic as as other as like stereotypical Christian fundamentalists who demonize people who don't believe what they believe and tell them they're going to hell. Yeah, I would never do that. So, no, I mean, I'm I'm the reason why I'm patient because I have I have so many time. people in my family who are like you, so I'm used to it. One, two, I used to be really really religious, so I understand it. All right, I'm going to wrap up this, this episode because otherwise you're going to be here for another two hours. Yeah, no, sorry. Uh, uh, but go ahead and say uh, <laughs> your your goodbyes to the audience, though. Um, Thank you, guys. I noticed that I'm sinking in my chair. <laughs> yeah, um, I wasn't going to say that, neither. Right, you're, you're canceled. You're canceled. Right but yeah, no, I appreciate you bringing me on. Um, this, again, was a great, great, great conversation. Um, you know, I got a little passionate, but you know, that's, that's what happens when, you know, you care deeply about, you know, certain things. Um, you guys, please follow, follow his page, subscribe, do whatever you got to do to support this good, clean brother. Okay. Um, and yeah, I mean, do I need to, oh, follow, you can follow me on Instagram. Um, that's my handle right there um and yeah thank you guys so much for uh tuning in and if you ever want to reach out you know you can reach me there you can reach him here <laughs> where are they gonna reach me <laughs> On YouTube. oh he has an instagram what is your instagram again is it jason muse black muse black muse all right but yeah thank uh, you guys this was great fantastic I agree. Uh, shout out to you. I'm going to uh, bring you off now and then I'm going to close up. Uh, stay in the back and I'm going to talk to you offline. Okay. All right, people. That has been the Black Muse Podcast. Uh, I don't know why I didn't think about doing this uh, a long time ago, but I'm about to uh, display my link tree. Bow! You can reach me on my link tree. You can add me on all my socials. You can subscribe to all of my podcasts. I'm everywhere. Podcasts are being streamed. 
I'm on Spotify. I'm on Apple Podcasts. I'm on Google Podcasts. I'm on Amazon Podcasts. I'm on iHeartRadio. I'm on Pandora in this bitch. I'm everywhere. I'm even on SoundCloud. I don't even understand how that shit works, but I'm on them. I'm on that bitch though. So go ahead and add me, like, subscribe, share, and please support your brother as best you can. Every little bit counts. Until next time, this has been the Black Muse Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Muse. Peace. <laughs>